All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. Is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Star K Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 206, full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you and for you to be here with us. Whether you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting, whether you are YouTubing, we want to thank you so much for being with us in this time as we are here with you to celebrate. I would say a pretty monumental championship. The Chiefs, in case you missed it, just got done winning their second Super Bowl in the last four years. Super Bowl 57 has been wrapped up, has been finished. The Chiefs are now the defending champions going into the 2023-2024 season. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're here today to do one simple thing, and that is to celebrate what we saw coming. What some of us saw coming all year long, some of us started to come around a little bit later on, and some of us just refused to know what the inevitable was. And what the inevitable was was Patrick Mahomes was going to take this team on his back and make some things happen. But you know what? All in all, this was a team victory, and I am so exa- so excited to be here with Trevor Netty to discuss this one, to break down this team victory, because I think that this is about as big of a team victory as the Chiefs have had in the Mahomes era, because it always seems that it takes Patrick Mahomes trying to have to outscore somebody. It, you know, the defense doesn't make enough plays. They look like they're outcoached at times. That was not the case in this one. And I want to definitely give a lot of credit to the Eagles as well because it was an incredible game. I think it's one of the best Super Bowls that have been played in a long time. And we're going to break down why the significance of how special this game was, how it could be really one of one of one when it comes to Super Bowl matchups. We're obviously going to be getting into the Eddie Hour as well. I know Eddie's going to have some questions regarding or questions, concerns, statements, takes regarding the entire sports landscape out there. And obviously we're going to be handing out some L's to finish off the show as well. But if you've not already gone to our YouTube channel and subscribed to our show, man, we're over 200, 200 episodes into this thing. You should know by now that's what we do. So if you want to get notified whenever we go live each and every Saturday, go ahead and hit us up on YouTube. Hit the notification button as well, as long as as well as subscribe. And the biggest, most important part of all of it is you hit us up with your takes, your comments, your thoughts, your questions, whatever it is you want to chime in on, chime in on it with us guys on the Spoken Podcast at YouTube and let us know what you guys want to talk about. We can definitely talk about it throughout the show because we want to hear from you guys. But let's first and foremost start with this matchup that we just witnessed on Sunday. Super Bowl 57. A matchup in which everyone was telling us for two weeks that one sideline would host the world's best team while the other would host the world's best player. A matchup in which everyone was telling us for two weeks more of the same as to what what us Chiefs fans have been hearing since Tyreek Hill's trade last March. It's going to be too much for the Chiefs to overcome. And just like everyone that doubted them all the way to the Super Bowl, they were almost right again. Almost. Much like the Jaguars and Bengals games, uh, much like the Jaguars and Bengals games, I came into them with little to no nervousness. Because unlike the majority of the national media, I knew what this team was capable of 
and who my head coach and quarterback was. The best in the business. Against the Jaguars, the Chiefs had such an advantage in overall talent and playoff experience. Against the Bengals, the Chiefs had such an advantage at the offensive and defensive lines. And against the Eagles, the Chiefs had such an advantage at head coach and at quarterback. Despite being underdogs in two of their previous, well, two, two of their three playoff games this year, the Chiefs were the ones that had the upper hand one way or another before kickoff. As the Super Bowl kicked off, we quickly figured out a couple of things. One, Jalen Hurts was in fact ready for this moment. And that this Eagles top tier defense had no chance in hell at stopping Patrick Mahomes. Both offenses scored touchdowns on their opening drives with relative ease. It looked easy for both teams. Their scripted drives could not have gone better for both. I immediately knew that this game was going to come down to exactly what I had predicted on this show one week ago. Which coach would outcoach the other and which quarterback would outquarterback the other? Fast forward to the fast forward to quarterback uh, the, the second quarter. Chiefs are down 14 to 7. We knew the Chiefs defense had to make a play or capitalize on a young quarterback's mishap. There's even a, a, a clip on NFL Films mic'd up, which, by the way, I highly recommend you watch if you've not watched it already, of this game. It's, it's nothing short of incredible. Patrick Mahomes is saying on the sidelines before that drive begins for the Eagles when they're down, when they're down 14, when Chiefs are down 14-7, to seven, uh, they got to force a turnover here. we got to force a turnover here. And that's exactly what happened. Jalen Hurts using an RPO. He transitions the ball from his left hand to his right hand, loses it, and Nick Bolton, Chiefs linebacker Nick Bolton, took it up to the house for a touchdown, 36-yard touchdown. Chiefs are now tied out 14-14 with the Eagles. Now, you could say this was the momentum shift the Chiefs needed, but if we knew anything about Jalen Hurts is that he didn't let that face him. He came back, and he came back strong, and we'll talk about that in a minute as I break this game down. But the Chiefs did have momentum for a short time. Until the Eagles answered right back on that next drive, which I was talking about Jalen Hurts. But it had a lot to do with the Chiefs helping the Eagles out with a massive, massive neutral zone infraction on 4th and 2 on the Chiefs' 8-yard line. And look, maybe the Eagles convert anyways because of that bullshit tush-push play that is 100% being banned by the league this coming season. But the Chiefs did themselves no favors by giving the Eagles a fresh set of downs. We then see that none of us wanted, we, we, we saw something that none of us wanted to see on the next drive, and that's Patrick Mahomes going down, coming up slowly and limping off with a grimaced face while the Chiefs have to punt the ball away and witness the Eagles drive down for a field goal, going up in the half, going up into halftime 24-14. I, I won't lie to you guys. I was worried for about three minutes that Patrick Mahomes' ankle was worse than it was before. I, I really was. It looked like he was in... Far worse pain than he was against the Jaguars, and obviously far worse pain than he ever was against the Bengals. So I, I was worried for a couple of minutes. I really was. That wasn't until I saw him running off the field into the locker room, which is when I immediately tweeted, quote, down double digits at half? Patrick Mahomes is still playing? Cool. Chiefs are still winning this game. And I highly recommend you go and look at that tweet because... Uh, I had myself a, a fun time going and rechecking some of the comments and the mentions that I had on that tweet when I did tweet it out. And it was literally as halftime was just starting up. 
it was amazing how many people were doubting on both sides. And I'm not just talking about Eagles fans. I'm not just talking about just the, the casual look onlooker. I'm talking about even Chiefs fans. I hate to say it. A lot of people were worried that this game was over. But I can say with all certainty I wasn't. Because I knew the way the Eagles would maintain this. I knew the, I knew the only way the Eagles would maintain that lead was if Patrick Holmes was knocked out of the game. <clears throat> and seeing him running down double digits let me know that the Chiefs had the Eagles right where they wanted them. Chiefs come out at the halftime, after halftime, and run three straight running plays, which I thought was pretty cool how they did that, collecting 23 yards. Letting the Eagles know that they can move the ball in their very overrated rush defense. This is something we talked about on the show last week about how the Chiefs, if they wanted to, they would be able to run against this Eagles defense. And they did just that. Seven plays later, the Chiefs score their third touchdown of the game. This time it's the young bull, Isaiah Pacheco, on a gut check rush, rush right up the middle. To, and and I, I love the fact, again, I'm going to the mic'd up stuff. My, I think my favorite part of the entire mic'd up thing is when EB, Eric Bieniemy. we're going to talk about him later on today because some big news came out. But uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is walking up to Isaiah Pacheco and he's fired the hell up on the sidelines after rushing in that touchdown. And EB's like, relax, relax. Like Eddie likes to tell me someone's going to get frustrated. Relax, relax. And Isaiah Pacheco just gets up and starts running. <laughs> Ain't no relax. Ain't no relax. He was so far. I love seeing that from the young kid. This The, the Chiefs got something special, and we can definitely talk about that in a minute. But I, I, I literally just laughed out loud. I'm by myself watching Mike up, and I'm cracking up because of the, just the passion that's exuding from this kid about how fired up he's been since day one talking about he was going to take a grown man's job. And him doing this in the Super Bowl, just it's, it's amazing. The next drive for the Eagles is the most pivotal drive in the game. Eagles leading the Chiefs 24-21. to The Eagles convert a fourth and one. Then Colin Saunders makes maybe the play of the game. The only sack of the game. Chasing Jalen. I didn't know it was possible for a man that size to chase down Jalen Hurts, one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks we've ever seen. Move. Running him out of bounds, making him lose a yard. It's now second and 11. Incomplete pass to Dallas Goddard, forcing a third and long, third and 11, obviously. And then it's a dump off to Kenneth Gainwell for only a five-yard gain, forcing the Eagles to kick a field goal and go up 27-21. to 21. Now, why is this a, a scoring drive for the Eagles? Why is this the most pivotal drive of the game? Well, if anybody remembers what was happening after the game when they were getting the comments from all the players from both sides, Eagles star wide receiver A.J. Brown... <coughs> He spoke after the game about this very drive, and I want you to understand how powerful these words are. He said, quote, When we went up 27 to 21, I knew deep down there was a chance we probably were going to lose this game. Do you guys realize that took place with one minute and 48 seconds left in the third quarter? There was a whole quarter left to be played. And A.J. Brown admitted that he knew it was over for him and his team. Now, I realize that a lot of folks have crushed A.J. for admitting this. I get it because the competitive nature of everyone's like, how can you say that? How can you feel that way? But this tells me what I've always known. That this league legitimately fears Patrick Mahomes. Whether they try to downplay him in the media, they try to overstate other things about other quarterbacks to make him sound like he has a comparison or an equal the players know what we know. They see what we see as fans. Hearing him say those words and watching watching his body language, and I, I highly recommend you go watch it. He looks like 
Just the most down individual. He just looks sad. It almost like he it was inevitable that it was gonna happen. It reminded me so much, and Trevor, you're gonna relate to this big time. When when the the, the Cavaliers in twenty eighteen took on the Raptors. And LeBron James single handedly took down the Raptors and DeRozan and Lowry were sitting there going what do you if they I, got if LeBron, I had LeBron and we on my team, Yeah, if I had LeBron on my team, he'd probably win too. Yeah. That's a whole whole quote right there. It's literally yeah. AJ Brown saying, No offense to Jalen Hurts, played magnificent, top ten quarterback now, he's earned his strikes. Yeah. They got Patrick, we don't. That's why this game went the way it did. These players league wide know just as well, if not better, than we do that Patrick Mahomes is the greatest comeback quarterback of all time and that no lead is safe, especially when you're setting up for field goals. I would imagine had A.J. Brown and, and the Eagles went and got a touchdown on that drive as opposed to the field goal, he wouldn't have made that statement. He wouldn't have felt that way because touchdowns are the only way you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes. You're not going to settle for field goals and beat him. And here's the biggest point. A.J. Brown was 100% right because the Chiefs went down the field right after that field goal drive for the Eagles and shoved a corn dog down the Eagles' throat, going up 28-27 to 27 on a play literally called corn dog and goddamn, was it beautiful. Go watch that play again. The way they used the Eagles' aggressiveness. And this is something we talked about just a week ago about how the Eagles are so good at getting to the quarterback. They're so good at uh, you know, anticipating things that the Chiefs are going to use that against them. And that is exactly what happened on the corndog play where it looked like the motion was going to go across the, the snap where the snap was going to happen. Instead, they pull Kadarius right back, and the safety does the, does the split safety the other side, anticipating they were going to roll over, and it's wide open on the right side of the field, and Kadarius walks right in for a damn touchdown. It's so beautiful and so effective that on the following drive after that, after the Chiefs make the Eagles punt on this, for this, only the second time all game, after Kadarius Tony's historic record-breaking 65-yard return on the punt that put the Chiefs down at the Eagles' five-yard line to begin their drive, they ran corndog again. Just flipped it. Only this time, like Trevor said, it went to Sky Moore, and they were on the wrong formation for the play. <laughs> so Patrick literally did what you do on Madden where you just reverse the play, you hit like R2, and it just you, you, you flip fields, and threw it to an even more wide-open Sky Moore. Yep. There's nobody within 15 yards of Sky Moore on that play. You felt that the game was just about over at this point. With only 9.26 remaining, and the Chiefs were up 8 after being down just a little over a quarter ago. But Jalen Hurts, man. Look, this kid proved to all of us, even on the grand stage, even after coughing up, it was pretty much the deciding turnover in the game because Patrick Mahomes didn't have any turnovers. He, was, he still had poise and drove that team down and scored. Not only scored a touchdown, but tied it up with a two-point conversion on his own feet. Now it's 35-35. That, man, what Jalen Hurts showed me in this game is this kid's ready. I don't know what the Eagles are going to do this offseason with all their moves and retirements and free agents and signings. What I do know is they have one of the best quarterbacks in football as their, as their quarterback in Jalen Hurts. And this kid deserves every penny he's about to make. I want to put that out there. Absolutely. 5.15 remaining in the game. The Chiefs have the ball. And I can tell you with all sincerity that I knew the Chiefs were going to score on that final drive. Because Patrick Mahomes has shown us all season long, all career long if we're being honest, but in particular this year, because this was a different year. When he's been doubted, 
when he's been counted out, he reminds the world who the fuck he is. And he did just that. First and 10 on the Eagles, 43. Patrick Mahomes scrambles for a 26-yard rush. Hobbled ankle, the world's best defense in front of him. Didn't matter. Patrick Mahomes, once again, made an historic play in the Super Bowl. In Super Bowl 54, it was the Jet Chip Wasp that he called, by the way. In Super Bowl 57, it was the get the hell out of my way. I have a chip on my shoulder. I'm about to sting these eagles like a wasp with my feet. That's a little bit of a longer name for the play. But despite the fact that Patrick made that play and completed 13 of his 14 pass attempts in in the second half, the one completion being a throwaway, the play of the game was what Jared McKinnon didn't do. And that's sliding a yard short on what would have been a walk-in touchdown that literally no one would have blamed him for going for. When the play first opened up, it felt like it was that Damian Williams putting the nail in the coffin run against the Niners when they went up 31-20. to mm-hmm. Didn't need that touchdown, but that just put the nail in the coffin. But it was genius because it forced the Eagles to use their final timeout and allowed the Chiefs to run the clock out from from 136 remaining to six seconds remaining after Harrison Butker came in and sunk the biggest kick of his career. And yes, there was a holding penalty on this drive, and we can acknowledge this. Third and eight, James Bradbury clearly pulls Juju Smith-Schuster's jersey back towards him, impeding on Juju's route trajectory, and the right call was made whether folks liked that or not. Bradbury admitted what the video from all angles clearly indicated. It was a penalty. Did I personally like that a penalty played into the ingredients of a Super Bowl winning drive? Of course not. Didn't want it. But it felt pretty damn good knowing that it helped the Chiefs, if I'm being honest. Because if we've seen anything, Trevor, throughout our entire lives, Mm. if we've seen anything in the Mahomes era, more times than not, it's been the Patriots, or it's been the Bengals, or it's been one of these other teams that have gotten these favorable calls. So I ain't gonna lie. I hated the fact that there had to be a penalty on that type of play in in that moment, but the fact that it benefited the Chiefs, it felt like it's about damn time. We're gonna break this game down. Definitely going to get Trevor Nettie's overall thoughts on this game. Who stood out to you guys? What moments meant the most? All those things. But I wanted to first recognize just how incredibly difficult this season and this game was for the Chiefs. And even though folks are now coming out, acting all brand fucking new, acting as if the Chiefs were favorites all along and scoffing at Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey's comments at the parade that no one doubted them, trust me when I say... This team paid full attention to all of it and used it as fuel from week one to week 21. Every time a number one defense came at the Chiefs this season, they hung at least 38 points on them. And we can't overlook how much history the Chiefs changed by winning this game. Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback ever to lead the league in passing yards and win the Super Bowl. Since 1990, there have been nine Super Bowl matchups where the number one offense faced the number one defense. The top tier defense won five of those previous eight matchups. We'll make that five of nine because the Chiefs just took it to the Eagles. 
It's been 23 years, and I got so sick of hearing about this. It's been 23 years since an MVP won the Super Bowl as Kurt Warner in 1999. Patrick Mahomes broke that streak. Since the first Super Bowl, teams with a double-digit lead going into halftime were 26-1. and Make that 26-2. and Patrick Mahomes now joins Tom Brady as the only quarterback to come back and win the Super Bowl despite being double di- down double digits twice. And just a little side note before I hand it off to Trevor and Eddie. Playoff records when, when the opponent scores 30 plus points. Tom Brady was 2-5. and five. Patrick Mahomes was 3-2. and two. I really hope you guys understand what this season meant because as I told Trevor, I've told Eddie, I've told a lot of people, the first Super Bowl championship the Chiefs won in 2019 against the the, the 49ers, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. It, it changed my life. It changed our world. It changed everything for us as Chiefs fans because we finally saw the Chiefs win the big one. But this one, Super Bowl 57, this was the statement one. I remember saying back in September in our prediction show, and I posted it to our all of our social medias, I said this would be the statement year we look back 10, 15 years from now. It isn't the first one. This is the one because all the excuses were gone. Where, oh, well, you have Tyreek Hill. Of course you can make these big plays. Oh, you don't have Tyreek Hill now. Oh, your offense is going to be limited. Everyone's picking the Chiefs to miss the playoffs or finish second or third in their division. Everybody had all these expectations on the flip side. And the Chiefs went out there and hung it on everybody. It was literally us. A couple of our, of our other shows, Chief Concerns, Nick Wright, and maybe a few others that picked the Chiefs to even get to the Super Bowl. There was a lot of doubt even in the in the Chiefs' kingdom. And look, I'm not bashing people for having doubts. Eddie picked the Bills. It's not like that was a terrible pick. The Bills were a team that was to be messed with. They were, what, a 13-win team this year. They lost Von Miller. That sucked. There was a lot of bad breaks that went their way. There were a lot of teams out there that were deserving of this opportunity. But the Chiefs are the ones that made the most of it. They didn't have a healthy quarterback for the entire playoff run. They had eight rookies playing meaningful minutes in the playoffs. They had the third most minutes played, games played, by rookies in the history of the NFL this year. Ten rookies played in the Super Bowl. Ten rookies. Thank you. I said eight. Ten played in the Super Bowl. And two scored. Uh, two touchdown. scored. <laughs> the Chiefs offensive two line scored. Yeah. against the number one ranked defense against the against getting to quarterbacks, second most sacks in NFL history for a single season. Mm. Chiefs give up zero sacks. Zero. Andrew Wiley just got himself paid. Orlando Brown Jr. just got himself paid. Joe Tooney might get himself an extension. This team went out there and made noise. They went out there and they answered all the doubt. They hung all the L's. We don't even have to hold, give out L's today. They did it for us. So as deserving of a team as the Eagles were and as much respect as I have for Jalen Hurts and what he did, this Chiefs team went in there against all doubt <clears throat> as underdogs in two of their three playoff games and ran the table. This was the special year, guys. The Chiefs are going to win more Super Bowls. I'm going to say that right now. They're going to be better next year. They're going to be better the year after that. And they're going to probably be better for the next five years as a roster than they were this year. This was the chance. 
And I know you guys have heard it before again and again and again, but it's the truth. This was the year everyone was supposed to catch up with the Chiefs. Someone was supposed to sneak one, kind of like how the Ravens did in the 2012. They got that one and they went back to Peyton Manning and then Tom Brady, then Peyton Manning, then Tom yeah. Brady. This was supposed to be that year where Josh Allen does yeah. it. Yep. They didn't do it. They failed. They fucked up. The Chiefs capitalized. Or this is the best opportunity for the Bengals to get back there and, and take care of business. Thank and, you. And regain that, yeah. Because of their roster problems. Now they have to pay Joe Burrow. Yeah. Josh Allen's money's starting to kick in this year. Von Miller's that much older with another knee injury, making a ton of money. Justin Herbert's about to get paid. Justin Herbert's about to get paid. There's a, what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson? So all these questions rising. All these questions arising. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl in a year. They were supposed to have a down year. Rebuild. It was supposed to be a rebuild year. And like our guy Brett Veach said at the at the um, um, parade, when he lifted the trophy, he goes, this, this, this is what a rebuilding year looks like in Kansas City. This team's talking their shit because they deserve to. All year long, these guys just played by the book, kept quiet, didn't say shit. Justin Reed fucked up once, and trust me, he was he was apologetic about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. But this team took all the noise on the chin, listened to all the doubt, listened to Keenan Allen say this was going to expose some people when, Tra- when Tyreek Hill got traded. Now what? Now Keenan Allen's knocking on the Chiefs' door trying to get here in Kansas City. Funny how that works. Hey, I seen the tweet. Yeah, I saw the tweet. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, same thing. It's because people are realizing that this is a dynasty. Make no mistake about this, folks. This is a dynasty that is still building, and this this dynasty will win more championships. How many more? How many more? I don't know. I don't know how many more championships this team's going to win over the next five years. But I am telling you, this team's going to win more championships over the next five years. You're going to see that. This is the beginning stages. And like I said, first was great, changed everything. This is the one, though, we look back to and say, that was the one that made Patrick Mahomes the historic, historical figure that he now is, and the generations following will remember. Trevor, what was your take? What was your takeaway from this game? How did you see it playing out? Just give me your overview of that, how this game played out, man. Man, why do I even start? Um, world fucking champs, baby. That's right. We're on top of the world right now, bro. Ah, uh, this this one's special. Um, <laughs> all year long we had to hear the slander. All year long we had to hear the doubt. Whether you think it's false or not there was doubters out there all over the place i had to hear from people that aren't chiefs fans that i know personally all year long all you guys went to overtime with the texans all you guys lost to the colts i never i never i never doubt the chiefs especially since patrick Mahomes has been here i never pick against them because i do believe we will win every single game whether we do or we don't i believe we will win every single game regardless of the of the, of the matchup regardless of this of the stage for reasons just like this game the biggest of stages. The two best teams in the NFL facing off. We have the best coach. We have the best quarterback talent of all time. And it feels damn good to say that every single time we talk about that on this show. It's still a surreal feeling to me. But we're world fucking champs. We're on top of the world right now. Um, when no one else, outside of a few, like Lance mentioned, really, really thought that there was a possibility for the Chiefs this year. Yeah, some people may have given us the odds of making the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. But we had people talking about how Patrick Mahomes is in a top five quarterback, how Patrick Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the AFC, how he's not maybe about even the best quarterback in his own division, how we might not even win this division. The disrespect that we had to deal with all year long, regardless of people want to talk about how we're fabricating that now. <laughs> And we're gaslighting the league. Amazing. We're gaslighting the world. It's like it's like Will Smith did that little that little blinker thing on Men in Black. Yeah, Fuck we off. Forgot. We're we're the world champs, baby. We're sitting on top of it right now. This is our. This is the. This is this is the dynasty in the making. This is a dynasty that is here and not willing to go anywhere at the moment. 
we have the best quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. Um, this this Super Bowl was definitely more special to me than 2019. 2019, we were trying to be, we were building those expectations, yeah. right? The expectation was there regardless if Tyreek was on this roster or not, and we all knew that. The, the ones that are in it, nose deep in it all year long, breaking down games, not casual. These were the expectations of regardless what this roster was because we know we have the best coach and the best quarterback in this league, and I know 100% that's their expectations. And when they have those expectations on themselves and everyone in the, everyone around them is doubting them and talking trash and wanting to say that they're, you know, they're not sure they're going to get exposed, that's just all the more motivation. And we once again prove the world wrong when everyone wants to talk about how Patrick Mahomes isn't the guy. Patrick Mahomes, you know, his, he still has bad footwork. Or Patrick Mahomes is on one leg now. How can he do it? You know, high ankle sprains. You know, guys don't come back from that. Guys, too, aren't, it's going to be tough for them to fight through that. We did it. We went, <coughs> we went against all odds, baby, and did it again. And this one was so special, man. And I, for, I really want to give credit to the Eagles. The Eagles... Any other team they face in the Super Bowl, the Eagles win this game. Yep. Any other team, any other quarterback, any other head coach, they win this game, and they just so happen to be unlucky enough to go against the best coach of this era, in my mind, the best quarterback of this era and another era moving forward because he's going to play for another decade and the greatest talent to ever throw a football on the gridiron. I'm blessed. I'm extremely blessed to be alive in this time because that's all I could think about when we won when that clock hit zeros in this Super Bowl was what a time to be alive. What a time to be a Chiefs fan and a sports fan in general. Um I just recently got to witness the the Jayhawks win a championship this past season. I just got to witness my favorite player of all time in the NBA become the highest leading highest scorer in NBA uh, history. And I just got to witness my second Super Bowl of my lifetime with my kids, things are going my good. family. Things are, things are going good. It's uh, all I can think of, man, is what a time to be alive. Like it, it, to get into the X's and O's of this game, man. That's that's one thing. But just the feeling of what I feel right now, the euphoria that I'm riding right now, going to work, looking like I'm 12 feet tall, with everyone you know that watches our show at my job talking to me about. This and that, and, and giving me and dapping me up because I was the one of the few guys I was confident going in this game. Everyone's coming to me. How do you feel about this? I'm, it's we're going to win this game. Yep. I kept saying it all week long leading into this game. Every single postseason game, going to the Bengals game, we're going to win this game. Similar to our guy Nick Wright, who I love and I admire, and I'm glad he's he's getting all his out right now too. And it's it's been a joy to watch. It was awesome to see him there at the parade, um, being a part of that. It was just I was confident all the way through. Um, never had a doubt. Obviously, there's you're going against great teams, so there's always going to be, you know, this is going to be a battle. We 100% agree with that, and we face that up front heading into each one of these matchups. But it was never a doubt for me, man, um, because we've seen this guy do this before um, against great defenses. You know, we outplayed the Eagles at their own game. We outrushed them. They were the better rushing team by far. We had more rushing yards than them. We had the only sacks in this game. They had zero. They had 70-plus, 20-plus more sacks than we had this year. You know what I mean? And, um, I mean, just, and my guy my guy going into this game was Kadarius Tony, and he might have been the biggest X factor. Maybe not the biggest play with, with, with McKinnon's play being the one that put the nail in the coffin. Obviously, that was a, 
I mean, that that's humbling to see a guy take take that that playoff and not want to score and have that forever play. And his, you know, for him to tell his grandkids about he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl after going through what he's gone through in his career. So shout out to McKenna for that. That was just that's a that's a team player right there. Yeah. The epitome of a team player. Um, and I'm forever grateful for him being a part of this roster to make that that decision at that time. But my guy Kadarius Tony, who I think is going to be a stud for this offense moving forward for years to come, made maybe the most pivotal play with the, the all the highest the the, the longest re, uh, punt return in, in, in Super Bowl history um, to put us down there. What else? I think with the five yard line. Yeah. The, five yard the, line. Yeah. So that play, and then him scoring a touchdown in this game, going from a guy that. Wasn't even being utilized on a Giants roster. Comes to the Chiefs, scores not only for his first NFL touchdown then the, throughout the season. <coughs> you know, obviously dealing with his injuries uh, 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 for sure, but he was healthy enough to be, to be in this game, and he scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And then Sky Moore's only touchdown in the Super Bowl, only career touchdown so far being his first <laughs> comes in the Super Bowl. There's just so many magical things heading storylines in this matchup. You know, whether it's the two black, first time the two black quarterbacks facing off, the two, literally the two best teams, the two one seats facing off. I don't, this is my personal take, but I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a better Super Bowl in NFL history. This thought with everything going, the two, first time two brothers face off, two black, you know, two African-American quarterbacks facing off, the two one seats facing off, it coming down to the last couple plays, all these things that tied into this game, you know, Patrick Mahomes being hobbled. We won the we won the turnover battle in the game. When we've been losing the turnover battle turnover battle all year long, yep. we win the turnover battle this game and and against a team that never turns the ball over, and a team that also forces a lot. I think they were like top three in forcing turnovers this year. We didn't have one single turnover in this game. All these things just kind of came full circle and to work in our favor in this game, and it just felt magical, man. That's all I can see. I just felt euphoria and magic during this whole game. Patrick Mahomes going out there and having an absolute <coughs> pitching an absolute perfect second half. You know, we witnessed greatness, man. <laughs> the dude's 27, and he's already created the, the best memories for all Chiefs fans in all of the history of the entire franchise. The dude's 27, has only played five seasons, and he's already given us the best years of our life. Yep. I am forever grateful. I'm smelling the roses every chance I get. I, it's probably good <laughs> that we didn't do this show immediately after the Super Bowl because y'all should have seen us. I mean, I was an emotional, I was on an emotional high. I was screaming, if I had screaming a voice, you probably would have. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, my voice was gone. I was high on my on my stogie buzz. Men, like I don't even know how to how to thank Patrick Holmes, how to thank Andy Reid, how to thank Travis Kelsey, how to thank these guys enough for giving these giving me these memories with my kids, my family after all the things that we've been through. As Chiefs fans and all the time that we've dedicated, I've never missed a single game since I've been alive. And this is just something I'm I'm forever gonna be grateful for. I'm so every single moment of this up. Not every not every fan base gets these opportunities, man. Um, not every fan base gets a, a guy like this, a coach like this. You know, so it's a special moment in time um, for us as Chiefs fans. Uh, to look forward to, to have something to look forward to every single season, to ha- to be to be you know contenders every year as long as we got these guys in place, and it's a um, I'm grateful, and that's the only word I can think of. And I really want to give praise though to the Eagles, to that franchise, what this meant to Andy Reid, you know what this meant to a lot of guys on that roster that were drafted and or played for Andy Reid. Yeah. Um, so many things going into this game, which is why I think this is the best Super Bowl I've ever witnessed in 
possibly the best Super Bowl ever. Um, with so many things attached, so many storylines connected, so many bloodlines connected. You know, so many things in history that this is going to go down for is, is just an, an incredible game, incredible matchup. But um, I want to give kudos to this defense, this young, these young guys that stepped it up. Um, when we first started talking about this, you know, when the season first started, we were all nervous about all these young guys. Um, you know, what, how are they going to progress? How are they going to, you know, and I, I said it from the beginning of the season, you know, there's going to be growing pains, especially in that secondary. Yep. Uh, Trip McDuffie literally going through pains, having injury and missing several games this year. Uh, and then getting his feet back under him, coming back from that injury. A lot of these things. Uh, a lot of new faces. You know, everyone doubted us, you know, losing our captain on our defense, Tyron Matthew, which I miss him dearly. I love that guy. We found ways to overcome all these uh, these vacancies. Um, and credit to Spagnolo, man. Coach Spags had maybe the best year of his career this season. You know, uh, overcoming crazy odds, uh, starting six, six guys on, on – six rookies on defense at times or six total rookies at times uh, and rotating guys, you know, with the Chanel's and all these guys that are coming in and out as rotational guys, sometimes starting in spot starts. Just an incredible feat um, that we were able to accomplish this year defensively um, to be just good enough to make the plays, just the, the big enough plays. Nick Bolton, my God, you know, he was, he was one play away, one play taken off the board from being an MVP in the Super Bowl, and I 100% believe that. If he would have got that second scoop and score, yeah. he would have deserved the MVP. Yes. And how wild would it have been that to never see has happened before. Nick Bolton, a homegrown you know, a Mizzou guy, becoming uh, you know, an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP in that game. I wanted that so bad for him. I'm not yeah. going to lie. As much as I love that Pat got it, the fact that they took that play off the board sucks because – how cool did it have been to see uh, the, you a, know, a play that proves that there, this game wasn't rigged? Oh, and a quiet, a, and the a quiet, humble leader getting his due in that the biggest of stages would have just been a cool thing to see. Um, but I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of what he's done for this defense. The leader that he's become in such a short amount of time, um, and, and, and a, in a position that's kind of dwindling in today's game. You know, middle linebackers don't get that kind of that kind of recognition and are that big of a pivotal play on defense defensive now. Um, so for him to be that guy and to be that captain in, in a position that's not really what it used to be, it's just, it's, it just shows you the skill and the mindset in the player and the individual that he is uh, and the coaching staff that's you know, brought him up um, and the vision of us, of our leadership to draft a guy like that and to put him into place and to be that guy to take over that spot. It's just incredible to see, man, him making those plays. Um, Travis Kelsey, once again, getting his, getting his touchdown, you know, to start the game off, the first opening touchdown of the game was Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's just the, so many beautiful things happening. And it was just it was poetry in motion. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm less of an X's and O's guy when it comes down to this game. I just I love the the philosophy of this game, everything, all the emotions that came into this game. Um, you know, going against the terrible field, uh, you know, the, the 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 conditions of the field and things like that. You know. Um, both teams fighting through that as well. I'm glad there was no major injuries. Um, but it was just a beautiful game, man. You know, down 10 again at half, down double digits at half. Um, you know, and when Patrick Mahomes, I remember when Patrick Mahomes first went down uh, in that Jags game, when I told you, I said, this is going to be a hell of a story. Mm -hmm. You know, this is one yep. of those moments. This is another Patrick Mahomes moment, you know, defying odds, whether it's, Literal odds, you know, being the team that is the underdog and or being banged up himself with the odds of him overcoming that massive injury just proves you the, the leadership in the locker room that these guys um, that these guys have in their life. Um, and, yeah, man, Pacheco, what a stud. 
You know, so many of these, so many of these guys that, you know, seventh round running back out of Rutgers and you got all these people, you know, overpaying for these running backs and, and talking about who's the best running back in the league. I mean, we got one guy that's that's out here scoring touchdowns as a rookie in the Super Bowl and uh, outrushing the best rushing attack in football. Uh, it's just a special moment, man. And um, this game was great. It was the two best teams in football going at it. And the best team came on top, came out on top. The best quarterback came out on top. The best coach came out on top, as we all predicted heading into this matchup. And um, I'm very happy, very proud of these guys. Um, still riding I'm still riding that high, man, honestly. It's like, it's just been a, um, a fun week for me uh, as a fan. Um, I can imagine what these guys are, you know, going through. Um, and Travis Kelsey obviously getting his moment in time. His mom, the, the moment between the, the Kelsey family was just an incredible storyline as well going into this. So um, I'm soaking this one up, man. I'm, I'm bathing in this one for a while. It's a nice little, you know, Moment for us as fans. Um, but, yeah, as far as me, that's, that's kind of how I wanted to talk, talk about this game, less about, like, the X's and O's and what was the biggest contributors, just the overall aspect of the game uh, that went into this whole matchup. Uh, it was just a beautiful time and place for me, and it's forever going to be. Life is about moments, and this is one of my favorite moments I've ever had in my life, uh, having my kids there with me, having my brothers there with me to watch this one and, and, and you know, really take this one in compared to 2019. This one was just different, and it hit different, and it was special, and I'm – going to remember this moment forever and i think coach reed i think patrick mahomes and i think everybody that 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 did their part in this victory um that's pretty much all i got man going to this one which super bowl felt better for me uh as a chiefs fan i'm gonna go with the first one the the one that they won in 20 the 2019 season uh in 2020 why is that more special to me i feel like ending a 50-year drought uh, was by far a a, a a a more iconic achievement than what it was this year because after that Super Bowl we expected that this team was going to continue to fight for Super Bowls. Sure, it, it was it was something that curses were broken. We, uh, yeah, yeah, we as fans saw uh, as an opportunity of we're going to celebrate this a lot more times in the near future and. We almost did the year right after, and uh, three years, uh, two years after that, we we got to celebrate a, a a Super Bowl. Yeah, this was this was awesome to win the Super Bowl. But I I think the one that excites me, excites me the most, the one that like fills me up with more emotions is definitely the 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 one we won against uh, San Francisco. Uh, now I want to talk about this Super Bowl. This Super Bowl is a roller coaster for me, as you guys know. I was texting you guys throughout the fucking game. <laughs> I was so fu- I was so upset because we could <laughs> we should release those we, texts because yeah, we couldn't we couldn't find a way to stop the 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 third and fours the yep. the third and nines the third and elevens third and fourteens third and third and ones third whatever third down it was whatever fourth down it was we just could not stop it. Yeah, it, it, it's like our defense just forgot to play defense uh, the entire first half. It was just terrible that uh, the Eagles were doing whatever they wanted with us. Uh, so I was definitely worried. I was worried uh, because this is a this this was a really good Eagles team, and yeah. you cannot downplay it. You know, just to let you know, the Eagles converted eleven of their eighteen third downs and two of their two fourth down conversions. 
So they mm-hmm. they were on fire in this yeah, game. They were. They beat anyone else other than us. Yes. yes they beat any 100%, other team. 100%. 100%. You convert uh, 61% of your third downs, and yeah. you convert 100% of your fourth downs, yeah. you should win well, that yeah, game. Yeah, your quarterback sets a record for the most touchdowns scored by a quarterback with three rushing and one passing. And yeah. Jalen Hurts yeah, was it, incredible, he, ball, guys. He, he threw over 300 yards. It, he made that one costly mistake that most likely cost him the game, though, for all yeah, being honest. It, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but – Talking about the cheese now, uh, that offensive line, my God. I, like, I remember like throughout the entire year, everybody was like, Orlando Brown this, Orlando Brown that, Orlando Brown, Andrew Wiley, Andrew Wiley. And then I don't hear none of that after that Super Bowl because those guys did what, they, what we all ex- knew that they could do. Yes, regular season matters, but if you're still getting wins uh, to make it to the playoffs, the playoffs is what's important to me. As long as we make the playoffs, I'm up. I, I don't care what happened in the regular season. That that it's already in the past. Yeah, uh, your season begins in the playoffs. My season yeah. begins in the playoffs. That's where my season. That's where my real season begins. That's where I like start judging, one hundred percent. And we saw that this offensive line throughout the entire playoffs was amazing. The, we we didn't let the Bengals do anything against Patrick Mahomes, especially because his we knew his ankle was hurt, and the fact that that offensive line stood up to the challenge and protected Patrick Mahomes to the best that I've seen him being protected the entire year. This offensive line took that next step during the playoffs, and that's what we all needed against arguably the best defensive line in football. Yeah. They were, they were, what was it, uh, three sacks away from breaking, breaking the, uh, 70, Broncos, yeah, the Broncos record? They had, 70, 78. Yeah, they, had, think, they had 75 going into the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. They had 70 in the regular season, five in the playoffs. They had three to go to yeah, 85 to, Bears. Yeah, to, 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 to beat the Bears. And that Bears defense, oh, my God. You know? It's like five Hall of Famers on that defense. It, it's, and for this offensive line to do that, and I love how they talk that shit during the the parade with the zero, zero sacks. Yeah. Uh, put it on a fucking put on t-shirt. a t-shirt. Yeah, that shit. <laughs> yes, by all means. Nobody can say anything, man. Nobody. You they can't, can't say you anything. You can't tell them shit. Silence. Right? Yeah, the one sack we got against Jalen Hurts wasn't really us. Like he just uh, forced him out of bounds. Yeah, he just was being chased by <laughs> Colin Sanders with I don't know how the who fuck. has like 150 yeah. pounds on Jalen. Who <laughs> who like could predict that he Crazy. was that fast? I. I mean, I know he's he, shown it before, man. Yeah, I've seen athlete. him do like flips. Like, uh, there's videos of him doing like flips and stuff mm-hmm. in practice. Yeah. But I, I didn't think he was that. Yeah, but he runs quick. like me and Eddie when Taco Bell opens up. You know, like we run <laughs> ah, right to the no. door. You would never see me run like that for Taco Bell. Oh, All right, well, me. He ran like his shoelaces were tied together. Oh, drunk his me, legs. maybe. Yeah, drunk me at two a.m. At maybe. two a.m. Okay, yeah. let's go with that. And Paul Saunders was yeah, he's hell for as big as he is. Yeah, the way this rookie stood, man. We can't, we can't like, not talk about the Super Bowl and not mention the rookies. Ten rookies played in this Super Bowl, and, and I think that's the first time ten rookies have played in the Super Bowl since like thirty years ago. Yeah, Brett thirty-three years. Beach, 33, baby. thirty-three years. Brett, which Beach. it's it, it's insane on its own for a, for a, for us a, a mark like that'll be not broken, but like to be tied or whatever you want to call it. After 33 years, it's crazy. You know you have to have a really good rookie draft class to even have. Because you, you see rookies not even make the practice squad, not even make the team, you know. Mm-hmm. 
uh, especially those late rounds, the seventh rounders, the oh, sixth that, rounders. That's common. That's yeah. it's crazy. And you can bat, you can go back into last year's draft with uh, Trey Smith in the sixth round. Like, it, it's crazy where Brett Beach is finding these guys. I say a Pacheco seventh round. Uh, then you can go to like the uh, the corners with uh, Josh, uh, Josh Williams, Josh Williams Watson. and Watson. And then you can go with Trent McDuffie. Uh, and then you got Carl Loftus in there. It, it's crazy. The Ocean All started playing those, big, meaningful yes, snaps. Yes, towards the end. Yeah, yeah, in Super Bowl, he was playing good minutes. Uh, it, it, it's crazy how this rookies, yes, during the regular season, you can you can see that they were rookies. But, like, yet again, once the playoffs started, these rookies, it looked like they'd been in the league for years. It looked like they graduated. Yes. Like, when the they, playoffs started, it looked like they were ready. They were ready to yeah. go. Just wait till it's next, like just they wait were part year. of the – they've been part of the league for a few years now. Right. They're veteran They're players. They're galvanized. Yes. And, and it's crazy to me how they took over that defense because you go back to the Bengals game, two big-time big interceptions against Joe Burrow. It – it, it's crazy how these guys took that next next step, and, and hopefully next year they do the same thing. Take that take that next step. Obviously, graduating with a fucking Super Bowl ring mm. into uh, your second year, it, it's you can't beat that. What better way to you, grow for those ex- young guys? Yeah, man. you can't beat that. Imagine walking into the league in your first year. You you, you get was, drafted by the Chiefs and you win a Super Bowl. But Bro, imagine that life. Of, dude, they no longer have pressure. They're exactly. already champs. Yeah, they're already, they're already champs. champs. All they got to focus on is becoming better individuals, better, better players. Or just yes. adding to the ring collection. But I'm saying the pressure's yeah. off. They're already yeah. cha- Like, that's just... Well, their pressure, their pressure transitions from being a... Let's look at it now to... Now we're looking at legacies. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like exactly. making the Hall of Fame now. Yes. Like, we want to solidify the Hall of Fame. Because I think Chris Jones is now going to make the Hall of Fame. I think 100%. he's not Hall of Fame. Oh, one hundred percent. I fully believe that as well. Two times Super Bowl champion. If Patrick Mahomes retires right now, he's making the Hall of well, Fame. Yeah. First he's, he's now Travis an All Kelsey, Pro. He's, he's now a first team All Pro. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, the way that the run game also stood, stood, uh, stood tall in the Super Bowl was was amazing. For the first time, Andy Reid did not go away from the running game. And they outrushed they the Eagles. Weren't, they insane. weren't scared. They outrushed, they the best outrushed rushing by forty three yards. They weren't scared to rush the ball. And and that to me, and I like I've said it throughout the entire year. Why do we go away from the run game? We always do, especially when it stops working for for maybe one drive. It doesn't work. We completely abandon it. Yeah. And here, we just kept on kept on going, kept on going, kept on going, and it, it was just fantastic how this team came alive during the second half. Uh, whatever speech was said in the in the in the locker room, I know Travis Kelsey said that. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes went in that locker room. He, you know, pretty much, you know, told everybody, lifted everybody's spirits. You saw Chris Jones on the sidelines chewing the asses of his defensive blind. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, during that mic'd up. Yep. It was like, he was like, he he made sure everybody sat down. It was like, sit down, sit down. That was, was like leadership, man. It was like, we're going to go back out there here in a little bit. I want you all rested. Yeah. It was like, sit down. It sounded like a so guy who's been there before. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and it, 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 it was... Uh, it was good for the veterans to step up and say, hey, you know, like, let's keep going. And, like, not giving up, you know? Kind of like that loser mentality. Like, like kind of like, oh, fuck, we already lost the game or something. Right. No, they, they, they remained calm, poised. Uh, they, 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 you know, motivated every other player that seemed to be a little bit down or whatever. You know, it was like, hey, let's go. Let's yeah. go. One, one more play. One more play. Yeah. Let's go. And that's what that's what I like about this team. What I like about Patrick Mahomes He's that that leader that this this team needs. Yeah, and he has proven it year in year out that 
he is a true leader. Mm-hmm. He is not one of those uh, Josh Allen type of leaders that uh, everybody want to crown him a leader, but is he really? Hasn't a earned it yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, trying to pick fights and then walk away when you're, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's jabroni right there. Yeah, yeah but yeah, uh, I mean, Brett Veach, the way he's done this team, uh, I, I don't know how he's making it work. You're paying Patrick Mahomes. You're paying Travis Kelsey. You're paying Chris Jones. You bring Justin. Re- it, it, it's insane. You pay Joe Tooney. You sometimes the stars align, bro. It's our it, time. It's insane how Brett Veach is is doing with this with this team. And the great thing is that we have so many rookies that we don't have to worry about uh, many of this positions opening up, especially this year. Mm. I'm excited for what's well, going. Well, and let me let me add this to that point about Brett Veach. Look at the mainstays. So, like, any dynasty that you see in sports, there's always, like, a collection of guys that have done it together. Look at the Yankees back in the day. Obviously, you had, you know, Jeter, Posada, Mariano Rivera. You know, you, you had your guys, your core fours, mm-hmm. if you if you want to call it that. Uh, Bernie Williams was there. Then you have, like, the, the Patriots dynasty. It was, it was Tom Brady. It was Gronk. It was Julian Edelman. It was always, like, a group of guys. The first one and the second one. With this one, the cool thing about this is there's three main players that are called the mainstays for this this dynasty. It's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in football. Travis Kelsey is an historic figure at tight end, the best that's ever done it. And Chris Jones is probably the best defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman that we've seen in 10 years outside of Aaron Donald. Mm. So your mainstays make sense. It's not like guys that are just hanging on. They just have these big names that are no longer great players. Mm-hmm. And to Eddie's point about how young this team is, these young guys that now have Super Bowl winning experience moving into their second years of their careers, or like Kadarius Tony, his third year of his career, with two years left on his contract with the Chiefs from his rookie deal. Yep. If the Chiefs want to extend, they can do that in two years. Then you're talking about the 12 plus draft picks the Chiefs are going to to have going into this draft plat this draft class with tons of money to spend. Mm-hmm. So now they're gonna have that same team. More than likely, almost the exact same team moving into this season, but with more rookie talent and even more free agent talent. Go ahead, Eddie. And, and sorry, uh, and I didn't even know this, but Shaggy Shane, thank you, Shaggy. Uh, Kalen Sanders' sack was indeed important. Good call, Lance. The only other, the only other sack was Leo Chanel. Yep. Chanel's sack was obviously a play where he chased Jalen Hurts out of bounds. Look up the stats. Leo Chanel got a sack. He's right. He's like, he's like, I'm not sure when it happened. No, yeah. no, he's yeah, right. There's he, he, two, we got two sacks against the Eagles. Thank you, Shaggy. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Well, well done, Shaggy. Yeah. Well done. So the two sacks the Chiefs got were on hustle plays. Yeah. They weren't legitimately breaking up the middle of the, you know, and just knocking two them down. Non-star guys, yeah. non-star guys. One of them has to be, them them to be a rookie. Yeah, I want to say this, too, about Patrick Mahomes. Um, Thanks, Shaggy. Thank you. And at the beginning of the season, when we were, when we knew Tyreek was out and all the craze was going around, we signed you know MVS, we brought in Juju, we got in all these guys, and everyone's trying to figure out who the guy is going to be. Obviously, outside of Travis Kelsey, Patrick Holmes made the statement, you know, in training camp, you know, one week it's going to be this guy, one week it's going to be that guy, and that held true all year long. Obviously, outside of Travis Kelsey being the number one guy, Travis Kelsey yeah. is the guy, obviously, but outside of him, Patrick Holmes that held true that statement all year long. And it was epitomized through the postseason and epitomized to the nth degree <clears throat> in the Super Bowl. Because not only did a rookie and, and Sky Moore get his very first touchdown of his career in the Super Bowl in the biggest of moments and absolutely burned that best defense in the league, made them look like fools on the same formation, just flipped. 
Kadarius Tony, a late season addition, scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Has the maybe the biggest flipping game, uh, flipping play of the game with that punt return. Guys like McKinnon going down, maybe having the biggest unbox score, <laughs> unstatistical hear, shown uh, play Jerry Patrick of the Mahomes game. After that, after that Super Bowl, he goes up to McKinnon. He's like. Man, I thought you were going to run that in. Because yeah. right before the play, he, Patrick Mahomes told everybody, he's like, all right, let's not score. Right. Uh, he told the, Yep, he told he told everybody, he's like, all right, let's not score. Yep. And then Eric Bieniemy tells Patrick Mahomes, like, we're running at three straight times. Yep. But in the Bengals game, it was MBS that went off. You know what I mean? Or all these, all these different guys. And then MBS obviously is, it doesn't get much attention in this yeah. game. And then, it's and always then, someone else. And that's held true this entire season. Yeah. When Patrick Mahomes says something, listen. He knows what he's talking about. He's not spitting bullshit out here. So when you doubt Patrick Mahomes, you better expect him to react. You better expect him to over and, and, and overachieve and supersede the, the doubt. And that's all he's done. And I just want to say I'm so proud of Patrick Mahomes and the evolution of him this year with all the doubt about Tyreek Hill being gone, not having that that you know that transcendent weapon, that game-breaking weapon in Tyreek Hill. He did nothing but to prove himself true, prove his words true. He went out there and did that. Every single game this season, every single game throughout this postseason, the ball was spread around, the love was spread around. Other guys were getting notor- notarized plays. Other guys were getting big plays in the Super Bowl. I mean, I just can't. I mean, everything he said was true. Everything he said came to pass, and we won the Super Bowl with guys that were <laughs> lynched pinned together, guys that were brought in from different places, guys that you know. And he went and held his Mahomes camp out in Texas just for these moments, and that's our guy. It's just, I couldn't be more proud as a Chiefs fan, man. The fact that our guy is out there saying things that's coming true, and he's he's sticking to his guns. Other every guy, other guy, random guys are getting their moments. Rookies are getting their moments. Rookies are scoring in the Super Bowl. Pacheco scoring, Sky Moore scoring, <laughs> Kadarius Tony, a late, late, late season addition is out here scoring, making some of the biggest plays in Super Bowl history. I, I mean, this one was just the most special one for me, man. I just, yeah, that's and, it. And you can't forget the fact that Juju came alive in the second half. Right? Seven catches in the second it's, half. Patrick Mahomes had one incompletion in the second half. One. And it was and on that, that it was on the overthrow and that penalty yep. to Juju. It's just, it's incredible, man. This is an incredible season. And I wanted to say this because. The Chiefs also is something that we don't talk about a lot because somehow, some way, people are trying to to downplay how how great Patrick was in this game because his numbers, <laughs> uh, yards wise, wasn't super impressive. He didn't have he didn't have two hundred passing yards in this game. Right. He did have three touchdowns. And his quarterback it. rating was a one thirty one or one thirty two, whichever one it was. About how many possessions he had. Um. Well, that's what I'm going to bring up. Right. And the yeah. reason I I said something today, uh, to to tease the show about why this. Super Bowl may be something that we've never seen before, at least not in a long time, is the fact that the Chiefs in this game not only had uh, 19 fewer plays, they had four fewer first downs, they had seven fewer third down conversions, two fewer fourth down conversions, uh, 77 fewer yards total, and they they had the ball for 11 and a half fewer minutes. Do you know in the last six Super Bowls, the team that has the time possession battle, that wins the time of possession battle, is 6-0? and mm-hmm. The Chiefs are defying history here. Defying all the odds. I only went back to Super Bowl 51. That's two or three, all six, three possessions we didn't have. Yes, all the previous six Super Bowl champions won the time of possession. The Chiefs not only lost the time of possession, they had an almost entire quarter this is what I'm saying. less the, of time. The Eagles did their job. The Eagles beat anyone else. 
If it's not the outside of the Chiefs, yeah. the Eagles beat anyone else in this game. Only the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes overcome man. those odds, man. Yes, it's Joe Burrow doesn't overcome that. Right. No, no disrespect to Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. This is what separates Patrick Mahomes. You only need to give him a few opportunities. Look, four possessions in the fourth in the second half, four scoring drives. Yeah. And the only reason they didn't have four straight touchdowns is because what we just talked about with Jarek McKinnon deciding to bring it down and kill the clock. Because <laughs> we didn't, didn't want to. to. And we thank didn't want you. It. <laughs> four possessions, four scoring drives. Yeah. Yep. It's unreal, man, what this team is what this team put put out there this season. I would Trevor and Eddie or Trevor and I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl this year. But they even over overcame my expectations. Yeah. I had them at 13 and 4 as the two seed. They went 14 and 3 as the one seed. They did things even I didn't expect. <laughs> had some, yeah. I had I had a shitty take on on who who was gonna seed accordingly in the AFC. But you know what? I couldn't be happier about how wrong I was. Because yeah, for the fifth consecutive year, we see the Chiefs host the AFC Championship, and for the second time in four years, they're winning this. They're holding the Lombardi up. So the 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 the, the parade was incredible. I'm sure we can talk about that. I, I'll say I was there. Stood for seven and a half hours. My favorite part about the entire parade, though, I'm just going to, as a little side note, because I know they're watching the show and they, they love us and they support us, and I couldn't love them enough and couldn't support them enough. After, the, after, after it was over, uh, the, the family from Big Charlie's Saloon out there in South Philly, Eddie's wearing their, their hoodie right now. Shout out. They hit me up. They said, let's hang out. I wanted to hang out with them anyway. We went to Gates Barbecue because that's the, that's the staple for me in Kansas City is Gates Barbecue. Took him to Gates, shared stories, shared laughs, had an amazing time with Laura, with Mia. All they were, they were just they were amazing. Mikey, I loved meeting Mikey. Dude it was great. Paulie sent all the people out there. If you guys are watching this, if you do watch this, you guys made that day for me, man. Because knowing how historically important Uncle Big Charlie's is to Kansas City and to the Chiefs, even though you guys are over a thousand miles away. For you guys to care about our show and want to spend time with me, it's it is one of the most humbling experiences of my life, and I don't say that hyperbolically, because you guys are so great. You guys are awesome people. People love you. We love you guys, and we appreciate your support. I mean, you guys hooked us up with merch. We are going to be out in South Philly. Mark my words. We are going to go down there. We're going to hang out with you guys. We're going to have a blast because you guys came and saw us. You guys always make the effort to come down to Kansas City. It's time for us to do the same with you guys. Make make that mark that on the calendars. The spoken podcast boys will be out there. We'll we'll be hanging with you guys very soon because we need it. We need to make that right. But I wanted to send out that love to our family up there at Big Charlie's because you guys are nothing short of incredible to us. I've talked to Paulie. I've talked to Laura many times on the phone. Talk Chiefs. It's always great, man. And you guys are great. Keep being great out there. And, and anybody that's out there in that region, support our, our family out there in South Philly, man. There, as you can see, the the address is right there, Eleventh and McKean in South Philly, Pennsylvania. Go hit up our guys. Tell them the Spoken Podcast sent you. We would greatly appreciate Absolutely. that. So that that's our overall takeaway from what we've experienced over this last week. I'm with Trevor completely. I'm riding on cloud 15 if it's there. I'm going to start calling it that because that's what Patrick Mahomes has given us. It's no longer cloud nine. It's cloud 15 because <laughs> he's raised the bar significantly. Or and, not low. And, and my favorite, what I loved, I hear, what I heard from, from Patrick, I know he was sloshed. Uh, he was very much <laughs> drunk at the, at, the, at the parade. He's trying to get the trophy. He was literally right. handing out the Lombardi to fans. He sounds different drunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, because he's not. You know, he has to carry something, you know, when he's in front of the media. Like, he doesn't sound be, like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, he loosens drunk. up a little bit. You know, the, the Kermit like, kind of oh, leaves for a minute, you know? He can't sound normal. But no, but <laughs> what I love that Patrick said was, and, and he said it so damn confidently, he goes, we ain't done yet. 
This is why Andy Reid's not leaving. <coughs> Look, if this if this team was built like the Eagles, where a lot of their key contributors were in their mid thirties, I could see Andy hanging it up after that, because this team would have to have a massive rehaul, like the like the Eagles are going to have to in a lot of ways. They'll figure out what's going to happen with their offensive line, their defensive line. There's a lot of a lot of questions with this team. Well, I think. Oh yeah, like how much they're going to give him? Exactly. All those things are taken care of for the Chiefs. This team is just now, if we're being honest, just getting started when it comes to what's next for the next five to ten years. Like this team is really built for the future. That's why winning this Super Bowl is such a big thing, because they weren't actually built to win this Super Bowl. So, Andy Reid, the reason why I am so confident he's going to be here till at least 2026, mm. it's not because he's under contract until then. It's the fact this team can literally win the next four Super Bowls. And That's he, not crazy to we say. Are the odds on favor to win it again next year. That's so. why I said, Trevor, when we were talking after after the game was over, we're having stogies outside, we're just celebrating. Mm. And before I got blacked out, uh, the thing I remembered is that we talked about is like now we can have this conversation about how many rings. Because it's no longer this, well, we, I mean, we've won one. we got to win more. we got to get to that second one. Now that they've gotten there, we can start discussing these things, and it's fair to do so. It isn't crazy for me. I'm going to say it now, man. Uh, on what is, What's today's date? Uh, February 18th of 2023. I would not be shocked if Patrick Mahomes ties Tom Brady for Super Bowl championships. I would not be shocked. Biggest reason why? Not just because of what I think believe in Patrick Mahomes and what he can do for the next 10 to 15 years. It's the fact that Tom Brady himself, after he won year, uh, ring three, didn't win another ring for another decade. I don't think that's going to happen with this team. Well, don't don't allow us to get a top 10, top eight defense. That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> we've yet to have one of those. Literally yet. half of Tom Brady's career, he had a top five defense. Right. Half well, every time he career. won a Super Bowl, he was a top five, top eight. Top he eight. never won a Super Bowl without a top ten. Right. Never made a Super Bowl without a top fifteen. Right. So you give you give Patrick Holmes just a good ten to fifteen top ten to fifteen defense in this league. Don't let He's us get one of those. This defense this year, the Chiefs defense was ranked sixteenth in the league. Yeah. Won the Super Bowl. Twenty nineteen, when they won the Super Bowl, they were the seventh ranked defense in scoring defense. Scoring defense won the Super Bowl. I think they were eleventh overall. Won the Super Bowl. What I'm saying is, you don't have to get him Tyreek Hills again. I would love that. You get him another Tyreek Hill, you get him another superstar receiver, I would love that. It's cherry on top. He doesn't need that more than he needs a great offensive line and a great defense. Get him those two things, he's going to win six-plus championships in this in this league. I'm saying it now because he's only 27 years old. Tom Brady was 27 year old, years old when he won his third, but again, it took him a decade to win number four. I don't think it's going to take Patrick Mahomes another decade to win two more Super Bowl championships. Mm. I know that's far out. But now that he's won multiple in a short window of time, knowing how much more time he's got, knowing how young this team is and where they're going to be moving forward, it's not hyperbolic anymore. It's yeah. not crazy to think this team could reel off five more championships. I don't believe that's crazy to say. I so, agree. I agree. I'll leave that there. I'm sure we're going to have discussions on the chat about that. I'm sure people will disagree. That's fine. But a lot of people, when I said back in 2017 that Patrick Mahomes, before I ever saw him play on the field, was going to lead this team to multiple Super Bowl championships, people laughed at me. People thought I was crazy. Now look where we're at, bitch. So that's where we're at. Look I'm at having fun. Now. You should be having fun. It's going to be a great offseason to sit here and talk about how this Super Bowl winning team is just going to build and add more talent to the equation. I'm, I could, guys, I'm telling you right now, I could not, I've never been more excited as a Chiefs fan. This is as, as, exciting, as excited as I've ever been, and we should be. This, we deserve this. Chiefs fans, we deserve this. We deserve this shit. Eddie Ortiz. Eddie our time, baby. We do this every week. We get some thoughts, some questions from Eddie in the sports landscape. What is in the Eddie Hour this week, my man? 
We're talking Chiefs. They stay with Chiefs. Let's uh, do it. First question before I get to the big question. Obviously, that uh, news that happened yesterday. Uh, but the first question is, why is uh, Chiefs Kingdom being disrespectful towards Nicole Harmon? Uh, obviously, I'm sure some of the people saw the tweets yesterday from Nicole, kind of, you know, hit, uh, trying to hit back or clap back a, a fence, kind of uh, disrespecting him in, 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 in some kind of way. Uh, well, first of all, let me say that there's some out there's some people out there, no matter what fan base it is, that, that just, you cannot please. There's always bad apples out there. So some of these people just suck. That's first. That's first and foremost. Second. Second of all, I think this goes back to the the origin of McCole Hardman as a as a chief. We remember that when they brought him in, we were expecting him to be the next Tyreek because of obviously his skill set and right. because of what was going on with Tyreek. So people were expecting him to become a guy that's going to get you fifteen hundred yards and eleven to twelve touchdowns. That's clearly not what McCole Hardman is as a wide receiver. That doesn't mean, though, that McCole Hardman hasn't been one of the most important pieces on the offense over the last four years because he has been. And before this season, has been the single most durable player outside of Travis Kelsey on the roster. He didn't miss a single game from 2019 till midway through 2022 season. That's a lot of football. So with him now being out, Chiefs still win a Super Bowl without him. It's almost like he's become a forgotten commodity. And I think that's wrong because I believe that this team is better with McCole Hardman than without him. Is he a... Is he, is he a franchise changer? No. Mm. Did his market take a nosedive because he got injured? Yeah. He's not going to have this. Eddie, you and I talked like eight, nine weeks ago about what we would pay McCall Hardman. Mm. And I would have stuck by that had he stayed healthy. But he didn't. Yeah. And now he'll be 25 years old. I think the best thing for McCall Hardman is to come back to Kansas City for one year, eight to $10 million deal with incentives, prove it, and then go get your market back up to where it should have been. Or... The market is out there because this this offseason, the market for wide receivers isn't very good. Right. Guy like him might look a little prettier than he normally does. Maybe he does get a big dollar, dollar sign from the Giants or a team like that. Maybe that does happen. If that happens, I'm happy for him and he can move on and go do his thing. Because I do think he's a guy you can replace in Kansas City. But I do think he's a guy also that if he stays in Kansas City, he's going to make differences. You saw against the Niners, Buccaneers, other teams like that earlier in the season, but Corbin was a pivotal piece. But so was Clyde Edwards Lair. The Chiefs are going to move off of him. This is the nature of the business. But people need to be fair to McCole Hardman. This guy has been a contributor. This guy's a champion. He's a two time champion on this team. He contributed a lot for that first Super Bowl in his rookie season, I might add. This guy has been a contributor to this team. He's been class. He has not been mean to fans. He's not a dick. He hasn't caused problems. He hasn't been arrested. Hasn't been anything. He has not been a, he's been a net positive in every way you look at it. And I just wish people would see that more often. It's a shame that they don't. My 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 hope is he's here for one more year. He can go out and have a career year in Kansas City and then go get himself another Super Bowl and then go get himself a big, big payday, 25, 26 years old. Yeah, if I was in any position to, which I'm not, if I was in any position to advise McCall Hardman, um, it would be being offended is a choice. <clears throat> so uh, addressing casuals on Twitter is just never a good idea. If I'm being honest with you, you know who you are. You know who you're capable of. You should be secure enough, secure enough in yourself to not even have to respond or go down to their level. So that's what my advice um, off the top. Second, anybody who is talking that smack to McCole Hardman at this moment is probably the worst timing. We're coming off of the greatest accomplishment in Chiefs history, um, being doubted the most. And you want to start doubting guys and talking shit to players that were a big part of this run after we accomplished it? That's just strange to me. I don't consider you a real Chiefs fan in my mind. Um, 
So that's, that's just me personally. I don't really understand why the, the, these things are even taking place. McCall Hartman has been 100% a massive contributor, especially this season. Um, having a four-touchdown game against San Fran this year uh, alone should shut you the fuck up. So I don't really understand why that's even happening. Um, so, yeah, McCall, you're a stud. You know who you are. I think you should come back this year. Because I personally, my personal opinion, I don't think McColl would be who he is in any other offense. I don't think he'd be utilized correctly in any other offense other than the Chiefs and Andy Reid's ran offense. So I think his best bet would be come here and kind of run it back with us and maybe give himself another chance. He's still a young man. Um, hopefully that injury is something he can, you know, get over. It seems to be a, a pretty severe abdominal injury. So I'm hoping that's something he can, if it doesn't require surgery, hopefully he can get that, um, you know, um, set and in place and taken care of. So, but other than that, I mean, uh, Twitter noise is Twitter noise, man. It's all it's all silliness. It's it's a bunch of casuals coming at you, and I don't really understand why or what the motive is there. Um, <coughs> granted, he did, like you said, Lance, he did come in with uh, expect unfair expectations on on top of his shoulders. Um, he's not Tyreek Hill. Very different guys, very different players. Um, but uh, unlike Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman was uh, a massive contributor this year and a big part of this this run and uh, a big part of why we won the Super Bowl here. And um, you know, contributed to a big part of that. So casuals just need to shut their mouths and, and uh, know the roles, if I can quote uh, the famous Travis Kelsey quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the rock. I'm, I'm just going to leave that there. But, yeah, uh, silliness. This is silliness all, over, all the way around, man. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, and uh, somebody mentioned that uh, Harmon, his girlfriend, had a baby. And Allegretti's wife having twins the morning of the Super Bowl. So congratulations, congratulations to them. Yeah, man. Super Bowl three babies. babies in one day, and then the Chiefs hold themselves another baby with the yes. Lombardi baby. That's that's a lot of babies to be had, man. <laughs> so congratulations. Yes, baby. Absolutely. Let's talk the biggest Chiefs news since yesterday. Uh, Eric Bieniemy signing with the uh, Washington Commanders as an offensive coordinator, assistant head coach. Thoughts? First and foremost, I want to congratulate, sincerely congratulate Eric Bieniemy for getting this job because not only is he the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, he is now the assistant head coach. Uh, I know that's the title he technically had here in Kansas City, but now it's I feel it's a little bit more exclusive knowing the temperature around Washington and the uncertainty surrounding Ron Rivera's future as a head coach. Uh, it's very possible within the next year, Ron Rivera could step down as head coach, and that would put Eric Bieniemy in a position to be a head coach, which is something we've all been wanting him to have for at least three or four years. So with the congratulatory statement I'm making here, I do want to say, though, that this is it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's a goddamn shame that Eric Bieniemy has to take a lateral position in order to prove himself in this league. And this is according to reports, not according to opinions. This is according to people that are well-connected in the league that have heard this from executives in the league that said they want to see Eric Bieniemy prove himself outside of the Andy Reid branch, outside of the Patrick Mahomes umbrella. That is a goddamn shame, and that is such a cop-out to keep a black man out of a position that we know this league does not want to give them. This is a proven truth. There are two men, or I think it's maybe three now, regardless, less than 10% of the head coaching positions in this league are held by black men. In a league that is well over 70% black athletes, that does not make sense. 
There are players across this league that retire and then want to get into coaching and always become assistants or coordinators, but for some reason, a lot of these guys can't seem to get head coaching jobs. That is not a mystery to me. And Eric Bieniemy has far surpassed the deserving era of his career where he should be given a head coaching opportunity. The, 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 the bullshit excuses about his past that happened over 30 years ago when he was still in college do not matter because we've seen guys that have had more recent problems get head coaching, head coaching opportunities in this league, like Mike Vrabel, as I've talked about on this very show. Eric Bieniemy has been over has been overlooked and surpassed far too many times. I think he's interviewed with 17 different teams in this league over the last four years. There's no other reason I can think of other than the the color of his skin as to why he's not gotten this job. Mm. But I am I'm happy for him, but he should not have to go through what he's going through right now. There's no reason in the world Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon are head coaches before him. Nathaniel Hackett is a jo- is, is a head coach before him. No reason in the world. Cliff Kingsbury was terrible in college. The only reason he even got notoriety is because he had Patrick Holmes as his quarterback. And because that worked out, people thought, oh, he can come to the league and not suck. No, he had a losing record too. And if we want to talk about the Andy Reid tree, how about we talk about that? Guys like Doug Peterson getting multiple head coaching jobs in this league. Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. Who's going to have another head coaching opportunity probably in the next few years if the Chiefs don't give it to him after Andy Reid retires? But even that's a head coaching opportunity. And you can't talk about not calling plays bullshit because Sean McDermott was a defensive coach, got a head coaching job. Ron Rivera, defensive mind head coach, got multiple head coaching jobs. John Harbaugh, special teams coach, got a head coaching job, been there for 16 years. It's shameful that Eric Bannon is going and getting a lateral job. Am I happy for him? Yes. But this should not be the case. What we should be congratulating him on is becoming the head coach of X team. I, I really hope it happens, man. I mean, because there's nothing more this man can do. He's a fucking two-time champion. He's helped lead the best team over the last five years, the highest scoring team over the last five years. And he was on this, he was on this staff the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he just came on the scene. Hey, he I'm the OC now. Up. He was a running backs coach. He worked his way up. This man's been on this team for a decade, and he still can't get a head coaching job. It's shameful. It's disgusting. If Eric Miami was a white coach, he would have had a a head coaching job at least three years ago. That's the facts. I don't give a shit what anybody else has to say. Minorities have to deal with shit white people do not have to deal with in this league, and it's fucking pathetic. But I'm happy for Eric Bieniemy. I wish him the best. We are going to miss him. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. I think Matt Nagy's probably going to take over the OC job, which is I'm good with because he, he proved himself in Chicago multiple times, led the team to the, the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. Holy shit, that's difficult to do. He's now backing up Kenny Pickett and Phillip in, uh, in Pennsylvania or uh, Pittsburgh. But the fact remains, Eric Bieniemy did his job here. He played an absolute role in here. Patrick Holmes talked about it multiple times in the in the locker room after this last Super Bowl about how they wouldn't be here if Eric Bieniemy wasn't here. I tend to believe that has a, there's some truth to that. I think Eric Bieniemy played a large role, and they're going to miss him. And he is going to I believe he's going to succeed wherever he goes from here on out. Yeah, it'd be a little odd if the NHL had uh, 90 plus percent head coaches were black. That'd be yeah. a little odd, wouldn't it? Be a little odd. There'd be questions. Um, I would say this this movement this this move is a little bit more than a lateral move just because his his I guess his his actual title is OC slash assistant head coach I mean, so he, yeah. he's probably gonna have a little bit more power and say so in this. That's his offense now. Yeah, yeah, he so, controls the offense. So that I think this is a I think, I think this, he controls offensive coaches. Everything. Yes, yeah. So he's gonna be the head of that. He's yeah. the assistant head coach, which I love for him. It's and great. I, I'm happy for him, and he deserves every bit of this. 
and more. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is something that's been, you know, should have been done, done a long time, a long time ago. Obviously, him giving it, getting a chance anywhere else. Um, there's no way you could tell me he's not deserving to be a head coach more than all these freak newly recent hires. It's just, it's insane to me. And it's been insane to the point where I heard that report, um, from what's her name from the, uh, um, the ringer talking about how Andy Reid, I think a year back or a couple years back at, in the owners meetings had to stand up, uh, um, you know, and he didn't. It wasn't a planned thing. He had no script. He stood up and just started going on a spiel about why is is Eric Bieniemy not getting uh, opportunities? Why is he not getting uh, opportunities to be a head coach anywhere else? And all these other guys. And he started naming names. Uh, and that's a that's for Andy Reid to do that, man. Andy Reid's not a potster. No, he's not. He's a straight shooter. A guy that just calls it like it is. Doesn't doesn't like controversy. Doesn't like conspiracy. He's a straight shooter. And for Andy Reid to have to stand up and do that, 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 that's, that, that, that there's an obvious problem um, going on. There's some collusion going on, whatever you want to call it. There's things going on between other parties uh, that are just literally using Eric Bieniemy as a statistic for the Rooney rule, um, which is an embarrassing rule in itself that exists. Best man for the, for the job should get the job. And he's by far better than a lot of these other guys and other other candidates that have had opportunities to be head coaches and failed and or are currently getting hired for head coaching positions and I assume will fail. No, no, no offense, because it's just statistically how it goes. Um, regardless if he fails or not in the future, he deserves a shot, and I hope he does get it. And I, I do believe he will eventually get a head coaching position. Washington's gonna love this guy. He's a fiery guy. Um, he's gonna get, he's gonna get that run game going. Let me tell you that they have some good running backs over there. Um, so I hope I hope I'm hoping for Washington's fan base sake, for Washington football team or the uh, the Commanders at this point. For their sake, you know, they just start establishing a winning culture because that's where Eric Bieniemy is bred from as a winning culture. Um, so I'm hoping he can carry that on over there um, and, 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 you know, breed that culture over there as well. So I'm hoping the best for Eric Bieniemy. It could be happier for him, man. Yep. A, a continuation to that to that question is now obviously that uh, Eric Bieniemy is gone, obviously that opens up a, a offensive coordinator position here in Kansas City. Chiefs do have to abide by the Rooney rule. Yeah. Uh, what What – what are your thoughts on, or not thoughts, but like, who do you think, besides Matt Nagy, who who would you like to see maybe take on this opportunity? Um, so there's there's some good names out there right now. I know that most of them have already been plucked, uh, but I, I think if we're gonna go by the Rooney Rule, I would like to see an interview for Myron Leftwich. I think that'd be a good opportunity for to see what he could bring to the team if that if in fact that's somebody they're gonna have to because again I think the really rules full I think it's a bullshit thing I think that they try to make it look good but it's really not I think the idea of it was good it's insulting but it's, been, it's insulting it's exactly. insulting to to minorities it, it really is it really is and and that and I don't like it but if we have to go by that I think that Brian Lefwich did a I think he did a better job than people are thinking he did in in, in Tampa Bay the problem there was far more far more beyond him it wasn't him that was the problem in Tampa Bay. Um, so I would like to see him. I would like to see. <sighs> Honestly, I, I think, again, I do. For the record, I think it's gonna be Matt Nagy gets this job. But if there's other names, just in general, I would like to see the Chiefs interview Cliff Kingsbury as well. Because as much as I don't think he's a good head coach, good this man you. does know offense. And he, he, and him and Patrick Holmes have a great relationship. In fact, I, I could honestly see if, and I was talking to somebody yesterday that's very much in the know about this very thing. They texted me just out of the blue about it. 
They said keep your uh, keep your ear to the ground about Cliff Kingsbury coming to Kansas City as the Chiefs' quarterbacks coach, mm-hmm. because it would take a lot for him to eat that you know that that pride. He'd have to swallow his pride. He's already been interviewing for OC jobs. Yeah, but he's already Texas. got he was got forty eight million dollars coming to him from yeah. the Cardinals. Like he's got money oh, bro, coming. He's made his bag. So yeah. he doesn't need to worry about getting that next big payday. He can just go and work and get his name back out there in his early forties. And then maybe one day become another head coach, and maybe this will help him develop and groom himself as a, as a better coach for for that reason. So watch out for that. I think he'll be on the staff. I do think he'd probably be the quarterbacks coach. I think at this at this given time, given the Rooney Rule and all the other interviews we have to go through, this will be Matt Nagy's job. I think this is the reason why Matt Nagy was originally brought back, as we discussed last off season, we were anticipating Eric Bieniemy was going to get a job. That's why they brought Matt Nagy back to take that role. Well, now it's a year later, and I think that Matt Nagy's going to stick around. He's going to get that job. So there's a few proof, like good good candidates out there. It's hard for me to really pluck out the names. I know, like I said, Byron Leftwich and Cliff Kingsbury are out there, so those are the top two that I would assume they would interview. But I think it's going to be Matt Nagy. Yeah, I don't even know how to address this question, honestly. I, I we're, we're coming from a black man being in that position for the last handful of years. So the Rooney Rule to me just doesn't really apply. I I think Matt Nagy deserves and is going to get this position. Uh, I think he has a great relationship with Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes trusts him. I want the best man for the job regardless of what they look like. If I'm in a room, in a pitch dark room, and I know all all I can read is the resumes, I think Matt Nagy is due, and I think he deserves that position. Um, He was in place this season doing what he did to his responsibilities this year, did very good, Um, obviously worked with a lot of people, uh, uh, in this locker room and got the job done this year. And I think promoting him makes the most sense to me right now. Um, a guy who's had head coach experience, um, is, is a leader of men, has proven that, took Mitchell Trubisky to the playoffs twice. This guy deserves it. And I think Matt Nagy is going to be the next OC of this team. I don't want to go look through the African-American coaches and see who we should just to fit the Rooney Rule guidelines just to get one in there and fit one in there. And no offense to any of them. That's not the point for me. I want the best man for the job. The best man for the job just left this position to go to Washington, right? So the next man up, I think, is Matt Nagy. And um, it is what it is. I think he, I, I fully believe him. he's going to get this position, and I think he's deserving of it. Um, Brian Leftwich, I'm sure, will land a gig somewhere. I wouldn't mind interviewing him. He's obviously a bright guy. Uh, was always a bright quarterback, not the best quarterback, but always said was a very smart, high IQ guy. Obviously won a championship in Tampa Bay, so it's not like he is not obviously – uh, uh, doesn't meet the requirements either. So if we interview him, that'd be great. But I do think Matt Nagy is going to be the guy, and I think he's the most deserving of that position. What, what, does, does it just mean? Yeah. Uh, what if Matt Nagy kind of rejects that kind of promotion? Because maybe he's comfortable enough to be to to be the the quarterbacks coach coming back from. Uh, I mean, coming coming away from being a, a head coach in Chicago, pretty much failing miserably. Uh, not a hundred percent his fault, but. I wouldn't say he failed miserably, man. I, uh, mean, I think he parsed that turn over there in Chicago as best he could. Uh, but uh, him kind of rejecting that position, he's like, you know what? I want to lay back still. I want to, I want to uh, grow, uh, be a better uh, offensive coordinator if I can be. Uh, maybe uh, next year, maybe if another opportunity somewhere arises, hmm. uh, I want to take that opportunity, or, or maybe a head coaching job opens up. I think that's what he did this year, though. 
So you know what I mean? Like I know obviously EB was in place, but I think yeah. him taking that position as you know the the, the, the quarterback coach this position this year was a massive step back. Right, this is a guy that was a head coach. Well, there was also there was also rumors that Matt Nagy last year had opportunities to be on TV, yeah. which paid really really well. Yeah. He didn't do that. He wanted to, he wanted to stay in the coaching tree of things. And he went back to where he was comfortable, where he used to be an OC back when they had a much inferior quarterback. So I think now that Matt Nagy has learned how to be a head coach or learned through those experiences. I think coming back as an OC for Patrick Mahomes, doing some things that he couldn't do with Alex Smith back in the day. If you look, yeah. some of the best numbers the Chiefs have put up before Patrick Mahomes in the era in their Andy era was in yes. 2016 he was, when, he was when Matt OC. Nagy took over as their OC. So just saying that would be a great opportunity for and Matt Nagy to say, I just don't see him passing it up. Yeah, and to quote the, the mic'd up, which <laughs> I highly recommend everyone to go watch. It's a freaking movie. The mic'd up from the Super Bowl. When they had that, when him and Patrick Mahomes had that little moment when they're warming up, and 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 you hear Matt Nagy go, "This is what it feels like, huh?" Because this is his first Super Bowl. Yeah, he never been there. Right. So, and then the, the sweetness of him being back with the team that made him, and him when he said that to, to Pat, and he said, "This is what it feels like, huh?" And then and then Pat goes, "Yeah, just wait till we, we till, wait till we win this bitch." Yeah. yeah, dude. Dude, that moment between those two guys. That is what did for did it in for me, knowing that Matt Nagy is just thriving in this situation. You don't think he's going to want to be the OC here? Yeah, he's going to be the OC, bro. And he has that that kind of relationship with Patrick Mahomes. Especially, just t- give me that, bro. Especially when, and I and I'm going to hold on to this because I think it's still a few years away. But I really do believe that there's a, a very good chance Matt Nagy takes over when Andy Reid retires. Yeah. I do agree with that. I as well. really I do think, believe that's a, there's I a significant chance. I do think Danny Reed's last contract with the Chiefs. Uh, that, that could very well. Uh, that goes through 2025. It goes through 2025. So he's yeah. got three more seasons yeah. on that contract. Yeah. yeah, which I do think I do think uh, Matt Nagy might be. And that's what I'm saying. Because who would know the system better? And if mm-hmm. they win a couple more championships in that time. He's got head to head coach experience. Yeah, like you're it's... talking about Matt Nagy getting a substantial raise. Him and Patrick have worked together for four or five years. Mm-hmm. Like, who else would you want? I really do believe that the next head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs will be somebody who was Andy Reid's tree. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Regardless if it's Matt Nagy, it could be Eric Bieniemy, Doug Peterson could be another guy that could probably if it doesn't work. Uh, out if it doesn't work with maybe, Jacksonville, yeah. it maybe come come here. I think to that's going to work out very well. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I, that's gonna I, I, I think well. it's going to be a, a Andy Reid guy. I hundred percent agree. Take and over. here's the best thing, guys. Matt Nagy is just now not even in his mid forties. So let's say for another four years, Andy Reid coaches, he won't even be fifty years old when he take over. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes will be thirty one. Still in the prime of his career. So. 48-year-old Matt Nagy, 31-year-old Patrick Mahomes can take them on for the next 10 years. He'll be our uh, like, Mike sign Tomlin. Sign me up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, he'll be our Mike Tomlin. I mean, we're all, we're all going to be doing this show, episode 746, <laughs> talking about Matt Nagy leading us to their ninth Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't think it's crazy, man. I really don't think it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's – all right. Hold on. Oh, shit. Not DoorDash. <laughs> yeah, get us something, dude. Go on. All right. Uh, now it's uh, still football. Derek Carr obviously has been officially released by the uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders Raiders earlier this week uh, before they took a a massive $40 million cap hit or uh, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Now that you can officially say that he's not being traded anywhere, where do you see like his uh, landing spots? Obviously, he has an interview today with the Jets Jets or a tryout, whatever you want to call it. Now, what do you see like a uh, 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 more of a realistic uh, scenario for Derek? Carr? Yeah, um, so I said this months ago because I knew I knew how this was going to play out. I said that Derek Carr is not going to accept a trade. He's not going to help the team that totally fucked him over at the end of, the, of his, his his tenure with that yep. team. He gave that team everything he could for nine years. 
and, and they want to come out here. Sorry, excuse me. They want to come out here and try to say, "Hey, oh, we're gonna we're not gonna play for the next two weeks." We're just, they were just protecting themselves because if he gets injured, they have to pay him that forty million dollars. They wanted to trade him. They tried to get the most out of him. He said, "Fuck you guys," basically in, in a Christian version for for Derek Carr. Um, and now he's getting himself an opportunity to go and get a team that he wants to play for, not for a team he has to make do. Because the Saints and the Raiders supposedly had a trade in place. I'm sorry, the Saints are not a team that's going to be good for Derek Carr for the next couple of years because they're not ready to win anything. And we know that winning is something that's very important to Derek, even though that's the right conference to go to. Which leads me to this whole Jets situation. I know people are reading into this and thinking, oh, the, you know, that'd be a good spot. No, it would not be. And I'm going to explain to you why. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson in his peak is a better quarterback than Derek Carr ever was. 100%. When Derek Carr or Russell Wilson at 33, at 33 years old was brought to the Broncos, he was looked at as what? A savior. The guy that's going to pull them out of the muck and mire that they've been in for seven years, right? Then he's going to get us back to the playoffs and we're going to pay him all this money. And then what happened? The pressure was too much for Russell Wilson. He gave it up. They only won six games. That is exactly what would happen if he if Derek Carr goes to the Jets. Now, I get it. The Jets are a better situation right now than the Broncos. But that media pressure, which is unlike anything else on the planet in New York, with the expectations of a franchise that for the last 40 years has not won a goddamn thing, do you really think a guy like Derek Carr is going to be able to handle that? Being a savior? No way in hell. He would not... And I like Derek. I think he's a good dude. I think he's a good quarterback. But he is not good enough to, to get the Jets into the Super Bowl. He is not good enough to lift them out of the muck and mire They're, they've been experiencing for the better part of four decades. No matter how good that defense is, no matter how good of weapons he's got, he's not a good enough quarterback. So the best bet for Derek is to go to a mid-level market with a team with a lot of potential and get to the NFC. It is the Panthers. That is the perfect team for Derek Carr. You go to a division that is as winnable as any division in the league with no more Tom Brady, no more any notable quarterbacks out there unless Lamar Jackson ends up in Atlanta, which could happen, and that would change some things. But even with that, the Falcons' roster is not as good as the Panthers' roster. And Frank Reich, who is a very good head coach in my eyes, a guy that just did not ever get that quarterback in place in Indianapolis, was still winning games, had a winning record, went to the playoffs multiple times. You get Derek Carr, Frank Reich in Carolina with that young defense, with DJ Moore, that team's winning 11 games. And they're getting to the playoffs. They're winning the division. They're hosting a home playoff game. And then Derek Carr can finally experience playoff success. If I'm betting one team right now, if I think it's a perfect team with everything considered, it is Derek Carr to the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a hot commodity, you know, all the way around. I mean, a lot of teams are going to want to try to get their piece of him, him or Aaron Rodgers, depending on who goes there. I think Aaron Rodgers does end up being a Jet, in my personal opinion. I think that's the best fit for both parties. Um, yeah, I do agree. I think there's a lot of pressure to Derek Carr. You know, you think the Raiders' pressure, you know, was a lot in dealing with that over there. And, the, and the, obviously that was more about a lackluster ownership and a, a franchise that has been in the shitter for a while. The Jets – they're on the upward trend, right? They're a team that's looking for that guy to kind of put them over the top, you know. And I, and I pity any quarterback that makes it over that way because Zach Wilson's going to make their life a living hell, you know. You know, you know from his words. Um, no, I'm just that's what he said. So I, mean, <laughs> I, I, take I, his word for it, I believe know? him. Um, no, I think this is a cool story. I think I think I think Derek Carr would be a decent as far as just just strictly X's and O's football reasons. I think he could be a fit there, but there is way more. 
there is intangible things. There is extracurricular things that go on, like you said, the press, the PR, everything out there. And that that big of a market is, uh, I think that's going to be a culture shock for him. Um, granted, he was just in Vegas. I get that. That's more of a touristy spot. There's not a, there's places like Philly. There's places like New York and, and you know, places like that. There are just so, the fan base is so on top of you, so brutal. Uh, so just eager to win, eager to eager to have a moment, eager to have someone that will will get them there. This is that team right now, and then on top of that, with a coach, uh, you know, you're going from McDaniel's to a coach like Sala, who is arguably the most passionate guy in the league as far as coaching wise. I love that guy. That's an entire. That's a whole different tempo. He had a adventure. That's a whole different tempo over there. Right. You know, so the expectations will be high. Granted, I I do I do believe Derek Carr is a mature guy a guy that just wants to do what it takes to win he's he's always been a team player i'll give him that for sure uh cringy at moments for sure um it is what it is but guys like that still can win in this league and i, I do believe Derek carr is a good enough guy that can go make a, a winner out of a team and i think a fit i think there isn't obviously a chance he lands there um but do i think it's the best fit for him no i do think carolina is a good spot um i said the saints were probably uh, they're were, they're were in talks obviously with the with the, tr the trade possibly be an, an instance there that could have been done but um he obviously put an x to that didn't want that um i think a lot of teams could use him i think tampa bay is a team that could use him i think a lot of teams could figure out a way to use Derek carr and use his skill set he's still a younger he's not an old guy yet he's still i think towards the end of his prime um but i i think aaron Rodgers is the is the guy that actually ends up being the Jets' starting quarterback um yeah, I, I even thought the Giants before. I mean, and I know they haven't locked up Daniel Jones. That's still something that can happen as well. If they move on from Daniel Jones, and they want to go to the Derek Carr route. I think that's a better move for them. You know, that's still a, a dark horse team that could still land Derek Carr. And I know that's also in the New York market, <laughs> and a team that was just that just overachieved and you know went to the second round of the playoffs. Um, so the expectations are probably even higher there. Um, but I'm pretty excited to see this next chapter of Derek Carr's career, man. I want to see where he, where he wants to go. I'm not sure where that will be. Um, but I do think Frank Reich being in, in Carolina does make a lot of sense. And he's got a locked-in number one wide receiver over there in DJ Moore. Um, so he would have a guy, you know, a number one target. So that would be a pretty smooth transition for him. Not a lot of expectations. A team that's trying to dig their franchise out of the dirt. Um, a a locked-in good defense as well. Much Maybe the better defense he's ever had uh, in his career over there. So, um yeah, I think I think I am with you, Lance. I think I think Carolina would be a great spot for him uh, for new beginnings. So I do I don't believe in the Jets. This is a fun story, but I don't believe he's going to be the starting quarterback next season. Is he a backup quarterback? Hell, their car? Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> he's a legitimate. You can't starting, name me. You can't name me fifteen quarterbacks better than Derek. Carr. No, Derek Carr is good, man. He's good. Better than Derek Carr? You can't name me fifteen quarterbacks right now better no. than Derek Carr. No. You cannot name fifteen. No. You may not be able to name twelve. Daniel Jones. I'll slap you. <laughs> you want to take him as a backup here? I think him and, like, him and Jared Goff are like right in that same tier. 100% agree. Dak Prescott, yeah. Kirk Cousins. Same tier. Same tier. Yeah. Good, good quarterback. Especially, Never great. especially this year's Jared Goff. Jared Goff balled this Guys year. Guys are not going to win you a Super Bowl. Just They'll get you to the playoffs every yeah. once in a while, and they'll fuck it up. Yep. Chad Henney officially retired after winning the Super Bowl. My yeah. guy, man. What? What are the Chiefs' options here in uh, backup quarterback? Are they promoting uh, uh, Shane Buchel to be that backup role, or do you do you see the Kansas City Chiefs going out there and trying to get a, a another veteran quarterback? 
to be. I'll, I'll throw one out there uh, just in case because I do think that right now it is assumed Shane Bouchelle will take that job. He'll be, what, 27 years old at that time next year. I do think, though, that the Chiefs somehow, they like that dynamic of having an older quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes. Just kind of be like that second set of eyes. But Patrick may not need that anymore, which is why they may just go the cheaper route with Shane Bouchelle, a guy that's been yeah. in the system for three years. What about Nick Foles? That's a, that one interests me. He's been with he's been with Andy Reid for a couple of times. He's thirty four years old, big, strong quarterback with a good arm. They can match the same style of offense the Chiefs like to play with Patrick. If if Patrick was to go down, because honestly, Chad Henney didn't really fit the offense when it came to the Patrick Mahomes style. Nick would fit it a little bit better with his arm strength. I think that's the only guy right now. Maybe I'm just missing somebody else that's out there that's available next year that's in their mid-30s, a very experienced quarterback, a champion, I might add, a Super Bowl champion in Nick Foles. I think that'd be the only other guy that I'd really like feel comfortable bringing in here as a backup outside of Shane Bichelle. In fact, I might feel a little bit more comfortable because he's a more proven commodity in the NFL than Shane Bichelle. So that's the only other name. Yeah, um, I mean, there's the Joe Flacco's of the world, guys like that that are old veterans that are champions as well in their own right. Um, I wouldn't mind a guy like that coming over here. Um, um, Nick Foles is a good call. Um, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do with Gardner Minshew, a guy like that as well, um, to have a solid backup. I think Gardner Minshew is probably the best backup in the league. Um, I don't think he's that expensive either at this point, but I know he probably wants to start somewhere. I think Gardner could start somewhere if he give, was given the chance. Um, but, yeah, I don't think – I think Bushell, I think this is Bouchelle's time, though. I do. I think he's, 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 he's been lingering here. He's been, he's been groomed by – Henny and Patrick Mahomes. He's been a part of this locker room now for some years, um, and I know a lot of teams. We've we've done and Patrick and, and and Andy Reid's done everything, and Brett Beach have done everything they can to keep him on this roster. Because even this past offseason, member teams were inquiring yeah. about him. Um, so he's kind of a hot commodity. He's probably going to be a hot commodity again this offseason. But I think with the exit of Chad Henny, I think this is Bouchelle's time. And I think I think the kid's got sauce, dude. Honestly, you watch this kid play in the in the in the preseason. He can ball and he's mobile too. And I, he's got a, he's very very confident so I, I i actually i would lean into bichelle this being his time as the as the solidified uh true backup to patrick mahomes if anything did happen and i think that's going to be the the story this year i think he will be the we probably will bring in another guy i'm sure but to be the direct i think we'll bring in another guy from maybe like the, the practice squad to be like the third but i and to take that this year's bichelle role but i think bichelle is the guy moving forward Let's move into UFC 284, and then we'll come back to my final uh, NFL question for you guys. So UFC 284, obviously we the the, the first uh, co, uh, the co-main event, the first fight, uh, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. Thoughts, reaction? I uh, went ex- almost exactly as I expected it to, in the sense that I was very confident Yair was going to win this fight because I think he had some advantages going into this one as the bigger, longer, younger fighter. Um, I didn't think that he was going to beat the shit out of Emmett like he did. Mm. But my God, that was an imp- that, that was the most impressive fight in Yair's, I would say, early career. He's got like 18 his fights. fight for sure. But it's his best win yeah. to this point. And, and now there's a legitimate chance that him and Volkanovski fight for that, that belt. And I, and I think that Yair would have a really yeah. good... Yeah, and I think yeah. that Yair could He's have a, a Yair could could beat Volkanovski. I'm not saying I pick him. Give me hold on. He has the ability to beat Volkanovski. He has the natural up. abilities to beat Volkanovski. Yeah. I'd probably still pick Volkanovski because he's the better fighter. Yeah. But that fight would be epic, and I hope it happens, and I hope it happens very soon. Hopefully by the end of this year. So 
Yario Rodriguez earned every bit of respect from everybody because people were picking Emmett, even though he was an underdog, because Emmett has that knockout potential. He beat the shit out of Emmett. He broke him down from his legs to his ribs, beat the shit out of his face. That was a clinic. That was a motherfucking clinic he put on Emmett, who's a veteran. He put a clinic on that dude. So I was very impressed by Yair. Yeah, um, I, I gave pause to Yair. Rodriguez, just because his last fight, you know, obviously he won by his opponent getting hurt. He was outscoring. Um, he was outscoring Ortega for sure, for sure. But uh, Ortega is a guy that that has a motor and a guy that will go the, the length of the fight. Yeah, and is a very good fighter on the ground as well. Um, so a lot of things could have happened in that fight. So anytime a fight ends because someone got hurt, I kind of I, I get you know it, it didn't get finished. You know what I mean? So it's an unfinished product. Um, so I was and I know I respect his style. He's very chaotic he, he fights honestly in a strange way he resembles the unpredictability of a john jones yeah. the way he fights and he's he has this, the spinning elbows and all the different things and when he's he gets nasty right he's a nasty fighter man um he, he'll attack you and so many of his combos are crazy he'll kick you with his right and bring a left haymaker right over the, as soon as that one that, that kick just landed he's 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 very very um unpredictable and uh tough to defend and tough to, to um prepare for so, and I think that showed here, Josh Emmett, a guy who's very seasoned, a guy who's very professional, a guy that studies his opponents very well, doesn't budge from his his style. He keeps you in front of him. He's very good at that. But Yair was getting to him, man. He was getting inside. He was getting him. Like, it was just, he dominated that fight. I've never, I don't think I've seen Josh Emmett really get dominated like that. And, and the, the youth and the, the, um, the unpredictability of, of Yair definitely destroyed him. Um, and I had money on Josh Emmett, and I lost it. Uh, so it is what it is. Should have listened to Big hey, Bro. Hey, hey, no, 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 and it wasn't a lot. I'm, I'm just, I'm just happy. I'm just happy. I'm happy for Yair. This was his moment. You're still this paying rent, asshole. This was, <laughs> this was the. Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. This is this was the biggest moment for Yair, and this the kid deserves it. Um, we have two, two now, two Mexican champions in the league right now, which is really cool to see. Um, those, these guys have come a long way. Uh, you know, we're used to the Brazilians. We're used to the, you know, the Canadian and all the. What do you, you call? Know, what do you call the Russian guys? Oh, the oh the Shavs and the Mayavs. <laughs> all the, the we're, we're used and to Mayavs. the Shavs and the Mayavs. And no offense, no offense, please. I don't need anybody kicking my door down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're used to a lot of the same kind of cultures dominating this sport because for good reason. You know what I mean? All we're missing um, is a guy that has the last name Shav Mayev. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we're used to seeing like the you know the Hispanic boxers dominate. You know, but it's cool seeing that kind of trickle into the UFC world now, where we have two current. Uh, um, Hispanic Mexican um, born uh, champions. That's cool to see as well. Yep. Shout out to Moreno, fucking beast. And um, the eighteen year old kid too might be a champ one of these days oh soon my God, too. Man. No doubt, Jeez. bro. Forget his name. I feel so bad yeah. saying that, but I yeah, yeah that I, kid. But I mean, I, I, we know exactly what you're talking about, and I think he he does have championship potential. Yeah, he made it look easy against a twenty nine year old veteran. And shout, I mean, and Yair, Yair, you know, sixteen and three in his career so far. I mean, the kids. Trajectory is, is 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 promising, and uh, that that fight against Folk that will happen most likely God, is so going to be an interesting one. That's oh. that championship. Oh my God! Style, y'all know. Styles make fights, and his style is tough. Uh, he's very fast, very elusive, very tough to bring down. Yeah. Uh, and a guy that will have no problem fighting, standing up with Volk, even though Volk is the better stand-up fighter. That's just those kicks are. Fucking he's very vicious. unpredictable, very uncoordinated, but just odd. It's be hard for Volk to get inside. This is what makes John Jones so deadly too. So. Yeah, those kicks. Those kicks are vicious because he hit him. He hit him on his leg. It was the, like one of the first kicks he threw at him. Mm-hmm. Hit him in the leg, and he had to fucking bring it up because it hurt him. And yeah. you saw Yair. See, that's I love his intellect. He knew that Emmett was anticipating the leg kick, so he just brought it up a little bit more and just crushed those ribs. Yeah, it's the same thing with John Jones. He, 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 he 
He hits you with one thing to to set up the next hit. Man, that is so smart. You know how, but that's rare. Yeah, man. That's so rare. Like to to know what the reaction of your opponent's going to be, so you know what you're going to do next. Yes. That kind of IQ, fighting IQ, is is very rare. Yeah. So that's why I compared him to John Jones because that's the only other guy I really know that maybe maybe Israel Adesanya is another guy that does the same kind hey, of bro, thing. Hey, bro, Mexico be taking some dubs lately, man. Just and then that. UFC really? ranks, I'm telling you, dude. Vipa. This, Vipa. this is great to see because <laughs> it's going to up the popularity in Mexico. Yeah, man. Yeah. You're going to start seeing some of these natural-born athletes well, start okay, doing dude. more MMA. Yeah. You know where uh, Yuri came out of, right? No. Uh, Chihuahua, I thought, right? Yeah, but yeah. he's a he's a ultimate fighter. Though He's a winner of the ultimate right. fighter. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I didn't Latin know that. America, right? Which is I didn't know that. They, so they they have a Latin America one, which is it's in Mexico. Growing. So the sport's growing now. Uh, it's growing definitely a lot a lot more in Mexico. That's great, and that's how you see uh, Brandon Moreno, yeah. which he also came out of the yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of these goal. guys that probably would have been boxers, just pure boxers. Obviously, that's yeah. the sport that dominates, like Puerto Rico and Mexico. Mexico. And well, you would yeah. see like guys that are out just right outside of Mexico, like yeah. out in the like uh, Venezuela areas and places like that. Chico Vera, yeah, even one Cuba. of the best fighters even in the Cuba, in the dude. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Guys that come from Cuba, so like Central America, mm-hmm. South America, like it's starting to rain. Like we all know the Brazilians have always been in this that's shit. What I'm saying. The Gracies, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to see it kind of like come up to like the Mexico, Guatemala, Venezuela, Colombia areas. Yeah. Man, it's so cool to see, dude. Absolutely. I love it. I love it's not, it. Yeah, it's starting to be a lot more better competition yeah. throughout the UFC. So that, that yeah. that's only helping the sport. Fuck and it's yeah, going to help man. it even When it becomes even more of a global... Because it's yeah. already been a global thing, but it's yeah. even more of a global thing now. Yeah. So I love it's, it. it's it's crazy. And uh, you mentioned Russians uh, <laughs> and how you call them. Chefs. Uh, next fight, obviously, we have uh, Islam Mashashev uh, versus uh, Volkanovsky, Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh Look, man, this was the this was the single toughest fight for me to ever predict. It came down to our show last Saturday, hours before the, the card took off, and I was still so uncertain. Because Volkanovski is one of the most complete fighters in the history of the UFC. What got me to buy into Islam, as I said uh, before the show, or the end of the show, was the fact that going up a weight class for Volk is going to be very difficult. Islam's the bigger, longer, younger fighter. I thought that was going to give him the advantage. And it ended up ultimately giving him that. Now, I know we've had our uh, debates on the, how this fight ended. I, I, I know there was like guys like Joe Rogan that didn't really like the outcome of that. I understand that. But even Joe Rogan is insanely cerebral as he is, especially when it comes to this particular sport. He can be wrong too. And he was. Islam legitimately won this fight. Biggest reason why is because of the fact that not only did he own the ground game and control the ground game on Volkanovski, Meant she scored more points. Volkanovski is historically one of the toughest fighters to take to the ground. And he did it four times. And it wasn't like he just took him down and Volkanovski just got right back up. He was dominating him on the ground a lot of times. I know for sure two of them, he had him on the ground for over two and a half minutes. That is not something you do on Volkanovski. I will say this though, Volkanovski was hitting Mashevev very hard and was putting damage on him and was landing significant strikes. But the strikes were very comparable. He, Volkanovski did land more significant strikes, but the takedown to takedown differential was four to nothing. That's the difference. So I respect what Volkanovski did. He fought as good and as valiant as he could have, considering all the disadvantages he had walking into that fight. He made Islam work for everything he got. But Islam, at the end of the fight, scored more points. Therefore, he won the fight. I don't I don't agree. I will say this. I don't agree that Islam won that fight unanimously. They oh, said no. he won unanimously. Yeah, that's the I don't agree won. with that. Yeah. I think he won that fight by a slim margin. But he still won the fight. 
Could I, would I welcome a rematch? Hell fucking Could have yeah. been a draw, for all being honest. You know what? Honestly, I would have lived with that over a unanimous. It was close. Because he did not unanimously beat yeah. uh, uh, Volkanovsky. Yeah. What I will say, though, is I do believe Islam did just enough to not have his belt taken from him. We talked about this in the last figure, the fight a couple times ago, Figueroa versus uh, uh, Brennan Moreno. Yeah. Brennan Moreno did not deserve to have his belt taken yeah, away in that fight. Shit. It was even. So if it's going to be even, Islam should keep his belt. That's why I give Islam the edge on yeah, that fight. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I this this is. I mean, I had money on, on my guy Volk as well. Lost it. Um, listen, I mean, if you look at the numbers here, I'll just go down to the numbers with you, just right off the bat. Total strikes, Volkanovski, 164 landed. Yeah. To 95. Yep. Significant strikes, 70 to 57. Head strikes, 37 to 36. Body strikes, 21 to 18. Leg kicks, 12 to 3. And then this is where we get to the lopsided part of the fight. Control times was two, almost three minutes for Volk. Control time for Islam was almost eight minutes. <laughs> and four takedowns for Islam, 0 for four attempts for Volkanovsky. He tried, he attempted four takedowns and failed all four times. That, that hurts you as well. What I do, what I do have a problem with though, is was the judges how they judged this fight, how it was so slanted towards Islam to be a unanimous decision. I have a problem with that. I do think Islam did just enough to win yeah. as the champion, yeah. as as Volkanovski being the guy that had to go up in weight class to be the challenger. I earned so much more respect for Volkanovski just doing this, and the balls you got to do to not only go face this deadly, this killer, but to move up a weight to be at a disadvantage. When he didn't have to. It's crazy. He didn't it's have just, to do this. This is pure balls. That's just yeah. a man shit right there, and I love it so much. Um, and I respect him even that much more now. And the fact that he was countering every little submission move that, that Islam was doing, he was an absolute killer on the ground. He was in there just smiling while he was altering and, and, and countering every move he was trying to do to submit and get under his chin. He was like, nah, nope. The strength you have to have to do that against Islam is wild, man. Um, and I hope we get a rematch. I really do. We might not. Probably um, not. Probably not. But um, I, I, this fight was – it was whether you, you liked the result or not, it was one of the better main events I've seen in a while as far as the, the equal fight. These two guys is absolutely going at it. Two killers absolutely going at it. Two different types of fighters going at it. But they were, it, the fight was so equal. Um, and they both were great at what they do. Obviously – Islam dominated the ground, dominated the the, the the takedowns, and then Volk, being what he is, is a great stand-up fighter and striker, dominated that realm of the fight. The, the significant strikes not having that much of a difference, though, is I think why they gave mm. Islam the ultimate edge, because it was 70 to 57, if, if I'm not mistaken, in significant strikes. Yes. So the fa if, if Volk would have had like... 84 to 41 total strikes, strikes landed I'm was, like, okay. total strikes landed was a massive oh yeah that's a massive 164 to 95 when you consider it being a wash essentially yeah. when you consider the fact that the significant strikes were pretty close and Volkanovski was dominated on the ground game yeah that's why they gave islam the the chance yeah the control time was was was, was i think what put it over the top for islam and four I think times the amount the fact that he is already he is still the champ to take a belt away you know from him in that situation um, I think it was closer to a draw than it was obviously a unanimous yeah. decision here. Yeah. But to take a belt away for, for for Islam, I don't think um, Volk did that much. But I I do think Volk did everything he could to win that fight, and I think he would be a deserving so if, if if it wasn't a title fight, if this was a regular straight up fight, and these guys were neither one were champions, I think Volk could have maybe got the edge in the in the in the votes there possibly just because these the total strikes that were lopsided there. But the fact that Islam is the champion, you need to take the champ out. And he didn't do that. If there, would have, if there would have been one more round in this fight, Volk could have very much took him out and won. Maybe knocked his ass out because Volk was gaining momentum in that last those last couple rounds. Um, 
I was just very impressed between the two fight, the two fighters, um, two absolute killers, two absolute studs, two absolute guys that are uh, 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 on the tippy top of the talent pool in this in this in this um, in this game in this in this league, um, and that, I expected nothing less. And they gave us a great show. All right, last question. Uh, according to reports, the NFL is looking to ban the uh, touch push that the Eagles kind of yeah. exploded in the Super Bowl. Thoughts? Yeah, I, look, man, I know it's not. I know that fans don't like the thought of the NFL protecting themselves from themselves, but it has to happen because of the fact that we know this is a league, the copycat league. And this is not something that is, we know that the NFL is a brand. We know it's a business, which means that aesthetics matter. We, that's why this league has moved towards more offensive friendly. It's not big, nasty quarterback hits and blown up in the middle of the field kind of hits on wide receivers. We, we like those things as fans, but they know the NFL, in order for them to maintain being at the top, being the king of, of American sports, they have to keep it safe and they have to keep it aesthetically pleasing. This is not an aesthetically pleasing play. It's, 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 it's like kind of a rugby scrum where everyone just kind of runs into each other, a cloud of dust, and you just get a yard or two. It's effective, and I understand there was a loophole in the system, which is why the Eagles started to expose it. It's genius on their behalf. It is unstoppable, which is why the NFL is going to get rid of it. Because of the fact that now, let's say they, they, they overlooked it and they let it go into this next year, you're going to have 18 to 20 different teams trying this. And then on third and six, or second and six, player team's going to run that three straight times. Yeah. The NFL does not want that where you're having a scrum on three consecutive plays. Because it is unstoppable in most cases. If you have a good enough offensive line, a mobile quarterback, and a good fullback and running back that are strong enough, you can run it three straight times, and you can get six yards on three plays. The NFL is not going to want that. Well, Sean Payton even brought that up. I'm just going to do it every time until they tell me I can't. Exactly. Which is why (laughs) the NFL is going to get out ahead of this and say no more of that. Now, the NFL will continue to find other loopholes, as they always do, and then they're going to find that, and they're going to go to the IRS, essentially, and the IRS is going to check that down. But this this play, although it was effective for the Eagles and almost won them a Super Bowl, this is not what the NFL wants as a brand, as, as a product, as something that's trying to bring casual fans in. They already got us hooked. Us us obsessive people, we're going to keep watching no matter what. They want to go and get the people that don't watch on a normal basis. That's not how you're going to do it. So that place is going to be gone. Yeah. And also, it's a question too of uh, how successful that was for the Eagles this year and converting, you know, third downs and fourth downs at times too this year. How much that can change things for Jalen Hurts? You know, what I mean, when he has to make another play, they have to call another play for him to convert third downs and fourth. That's fourth a great question. Shorts, you know, what I mean, that's so that's, a, that's something. That if they do change this, how does that affect when him? When they change it, it's well, sure, change. sure. And how does that affect Jalen Hurts and his brand and his his capability sure. of, of you know moving the chains and things like that in those yep. situations without having that fail-proof play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the formation is just, it's a little odd. The formation just seems kind of like a cheat code at the moment. And when you look at it, you know, you have three guys stacked back there, two guys pushing the butt of the quarterback. It just seems like, a, obviously, it's a very effective, um, a little too effective, though. And I think that's what the league is looking at. I think that's a little what the league will adjust and change. I mean, there's always something that the league needs to adjust and change. Also, real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Cam Hayward for the Pittsburgh Steelers on his on his uh, uh, podcast, I think it's called More Than Just Football. Mm. He brought up something else. If you go watch the play, he goes, every single time he goes, I saw this play take place. He goes, they did it against us. They did it against a lot of other teams. The offensive line is moving forward before the ball is snapped, which means what? That's a false start. So even the play itself is is illegal. Like they're moving before the ball is being snapped. Yeah. So because they're anticipating that low draw. So 
you can't have that. That's why the NFL has to take this motion and move this out because it's illegal in its own sense. The, for whatever reason, the refs weren't, weren't catching it. Yeah. But if you watch the film, because Cam, Cam Hayward was supplying uh, foot, footage of this, that they were moving forward before the ball was snapped, which gives them even more of an advantage on those defensive linemen that have to try to get down just as low as Kelsey and those other guys. And I think Chris Jones played that as good as you could have in that super in the, in the play in the super, where he jumped he literally jumped he jumped over the offensive line and still got him and they, they, they still found yeah. a way to push him forward that was a, well because when you're in the air like that and you're laying on other bodies you're weightless yeah. essentially so yeah, they're just, just like shoving you out of the way you yeah know? it's like you're riding on the, yeah. on, on, you're, like you're no surfing. longer 285 like pounds yeah, yeah. you know what I mean you're, you're 80 pounds they're like I'll oh, get the fuck out of the way you yeah, know that's, yeah. that's how they did it so yeah. it's going to be banned and, and it shouldn't shock anybody and quite frankly we should be thankful for that because it's not going to it's not going to take away from the game because that's what it was doing if we're being honest for sure good eddie air man we appreciate it each and every week i look forward to it good questions and um we have one more order of business to get to guys what's it called hold this l. l each and every episode we finish off every episode with a series of l's in the world of sports whether those l's are friendly l's or not so friendly l's in the world of sports we promise you who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports, especially this week. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 who's holding the L for you this week and why is it F1? Not F1. F1 does uh, return next week for uh, testing. Testing is next week. Uh, yeah. And uh, the first race of the year is in two weeks, so stay put. Oh, yeah, bro. Uh, but no, I'm going to give it to, to uh, Chelsea, my, my beloved Chelsea from England. Why am I going to give it to them? Was it one, two, three, four, five? The past five games, uh, we have been winless. We 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 just can't get it going. And this is just—I'm just talking about the past five games. We can go back since the beginning of the season when the uh, Todd Bowley or whatever his name is, the Dodgers owner, uh, took over for for Chelsea. This team has been in decline. Um, he has spent money, crazy amounts of money, but this team is going nowhere. Uh, I know uh, Graham Porter, our head coach, he's doing the best he can, but I think it's time it's time to move on from him. I know we just got him this year, uh, which I mean, halfway through the season, I think this year, but he, he's he's of no help. He's not doing anything. Yeah. We have the squad to com- to to compete. To, to, to be a, a, a good team. But they're just they're just not syncing together. They're not linking together. I don't, I don't know I don't know what it is, but they're not they're not connecting. All the players are not connecting. It's just it's it's bad. It's bad football. Bad soccer. Uh what we're seeing from Chelsea. I don't know how to fix it. I would say the immediate fix is maybe getting another another head coach, bringing in another head coach, and see what happens. Uh, the talent is there. I just don't know what it is about the, this, this team that it's just not working. I, I I don't know. They've tried many different lineups. They they've tried so many different styles, and, and they just can't get it going. They they can't get it going. And in the past five games, we're we're pretty much winless. Uh, in the in the Premier League, we're sitting. Let's see, we're sitting tenth in the Premier League. Tenth, that, that's insane. Mm. When you're a a top five club, when was the last time the, they were tenth? I don't ever since since I since I started watching Chelsea. I don't think I've seen them be tenth 
at any time. I've seen him be like sixth. Hmm. Never that bad, though. But never yeah. never tenth. I don't, I don't think I can remember or tell you a time where I, I've seen Chelsea uh, tenth place. Maybe before uh, Mourinho, Mourinho came in in uh, 3 4 I believe it was 3 4 when they won the Premier League. Because hmm. the previous year, they weren't that great. So, yeah, I would say... Oh two maybe was the last time they were this bad, and yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, American owners in the Premier League are, are are just not good. They fail. Uh, I don't know what it is about American owners. Uh, obviously, we see it. We saw with Manchester United, they were failing uh, bad, miserably. Which now, all of a sudden, uh, Manchester United is looking to being sold. Uh, there is multiple bids uh, of uh, buying the club, and Chelsea just becoming an uh, American-owned team drastically changed from what what the Chelsea I know. So I don't know what it is what this American owners bring into the to the soccer world. I'm sure they try to bring that football style of uh, roles into the into the game. Obviously, they don't work in soccer. It's completely different. You can't just create like this many positions and expect. Yeah. You know, to get better. So I, I hope this situation gets better. Uh, if it doesn't, we're we're not we're not looking promising for the next few years. So <sighs> Chelsea, uh, you're gonna have to do me a favor and uh, hold this L. L. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week? Uh, my L is gonna go to the State Farm Stadium. Um, the conditions of the field. I mean, I know we, we, we semi-talked about it, and I semi-hinted at it um, earlier in the show. Uh, I think $8-plus million was spent on this field to prepare for the Super Bowl here. Or was it $800,000. I'm not. Yeah. Okay, maybe not as much as I thought it was. Uh, either way, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, going to prepare, yeah. you know, for, 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 for yeah, for this, all this time, yet all this time to prepare uh, for this one single evening and this one single event, um, and it was a disaster. Once again, I mean, we started the Chiefs started the season here, uh, and we ended the season here, and the the problems remain the same. Um, the the field tried to take out our kicker for the majority of the year, took him out for a little bit, um, and possibly other injuries that were sustained on the field throughout the year for other teams as well. Um, I'm glad we got through this game with that. I mean, Miles Sanders got banged up immediately in this game because of issues like this. Um, I'm glad he's okay. Nothing serious was sustained from either side, either team. Both teams had to deal with this field. Um, but to spend that much money and have that much time dedicated and knowing in advance for years that you were going to have the Super Bowl here and the prep time and all this you had going into it, knowing that you, you've had issues with the field before, even in this season alone with the Chiefs in week one, I, I just don't understand how you can have all that time and, and still find ways, ways to screw up the biggest game on the biggest stage in this country and have the, the ground and the, the field that slippery and have, all, you know, excess amounts of paint that were causing guys to slip on the paint and even on the mic'd up you can hear players talking about how it's slippery out there and in the paint watch out for the paint you know and that guys having to change their cleats mid-game it's just an embarrassment i'm sorry and, and it, it, you might have ruined your chances of ever hoping hosting a super bowl ever again it's a great stadium it's a great location great city um glendale man it's a, but of yeah. course i mean at this time of year who don't want to be out there um you know it's you know you're hanging out around 75 degrees 68 degrees out there you know in the evening time perfect setting the field sucks once again 
So um, that's just a, a massive letdown for them. I'm sure they're upset with themselves spending all that money and all that time pre- pre- preparing for that and still having a massive letdown uh, for the players. And I'm glad there was no major injuries, uh, even even on the final play. You know, Jalen Hurts going for that Hail Mary. Couldn't even get traction on his feet to get it, put anything into that throw. And you slipped. see Patrick Mahomes when he slid after his 26-yard t- uh, rush, yeah. how big the divot was? It looked yeah. like it was raining out there. That's what I'm saying. It looked like it was a muddy game, yes. and it wasn't. Like yeah. how? So I'm, I'm just grateful that no one was no, no injuries were sustained for any team really yeah. uh, no no massive season ending things that were going to linger linger into the next year I'm glad nothing like that. Yeah. Even even uh, um, uh, didn't they slip on their kickoff too? Yeah, the Eagles. Jake Elliott yeah. slipped. Yeah, Jake Elliott yeah. slipped. Yeah. So I'm saying he rolled his ankle. Luckily, it wasn't as bad as Buckers earlier this year. Yeah. But like it's almost same kind of scenario. So it's you gotta fix that. You know, what I mean, for, for, not even for like future big and the games. PGA helping. The, fucking yeah, P- right. Pacheco, Pacheco, fucking slid on the yeah. celebration. Yeah, yeah. Call oh, him. he almost hurt himself on they that. Dude, yeah, yeah. They had that dude called the Sod Father that was supposed to be helping them out with the right. It's what, embarrassing. Shit, it's father. Embarrassing. That was terrible. Right. So. Um, so I can't let that slide, you know, no pun intended. Um, hey down. Uh, so I just want to give State Farm Stadium um, that recognition for in, a, in a negative light. So do me a favor and hold, hold this L. <clears throat> I'm going to be a little selfish. Got a W and a couple L's. Oh, shit. My W is something that Trevor uh, briefly touched on a, a little bit ago. This has been the year of Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. The New Heights podcast is easily one of the best in the business. Uh, two brothers doing what they're doing. And not only just having that, but also meeting up in the Super Bowl the year they start up their podcast is just, it's nothing It's nothing short of incredible. But this one isn't for them. It's its for the person that they, they talked about on their most recent episode. And I want to play the snippet for you because this is something that hits near and dear. Moment I saw mom is when I got really emotional because, man, it was so awesome. It was... All right now. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) It was awesome for... You know, she was on top of the world for for a week. She was the heavyweight champ, man. She was on top of it, and she shined the whole time, man. That was that was the coolest part. Mom, you absolutely killed it. Dad, you've been killing it. Yep. It was just so cool, man, to see uh, you know her get to celebrate in that with us. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. It was an awesome moment. <sighs> just so happy for her. And so happy that, um, you know, she got her moment. Dad got his. So, yeah, I was the only, ironically, you know, you, you lose the Super Bowl. And you're, you're crying after the game. And they're not tears of sadness. You know, they're tears of joy. Uh, that was, I, I watched that, uh, on TV the first time because I, I needed to see, like, you know, you watch some on your phone. It doesn't feel the same. Like you want to watch some on the television cause it feels more real. Mm-hmm. I watched that on television. I, I gotta, I ain't gonna lie to you guys. It, it, it broke me down. Uh, it's funny too, because Trevor and I, 
I don't want to sit here and say we resemble the Kelsey brothers, but we, I mean, we kind of do, but our, our personalities our are very much like, I'm the oldest similar. brother. I kind of resemble the way Kel- Jason Kelsey goes about his business. And Trevor's more like Travis in that way, in that sense, also being the younger brother. And I feel like we can relate to those taller, guys on a lot of handsome. levels. Yeah. Trevor's the taller, more handsome one. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Cause I'm the chunky one. You know what I mean? Like it's perfect. Oh, shit. And you know, <laughs> seeing the, the awareness from both of these guys in this, and like I said, the the build up to, to what happened is is so unprecedented. Two brothers starting a podcast, two brothers playing in the league, two brothers playing in the Super Bowl against each other, and all they wanted to talk about was their parents. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I've expi- I've expressed to you guys over this last you know couple of months what you know was taking place in Trevor and I's lives and how. I'll be honest with you, how envious I am of the Kelsey brothers to be able to do what they did in that moment. Where they could say that they, you know, their mom was the one that was on the top of the world and that they, she got her moment. Like, that's something I always wanted to do for mine. And it just, it's, 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 it's emotional. It's, it's touching. And more than anything, it's, it's motivational because these two guys are out here just killing it. And their mom getting to be a part of it, their dad being a part of it. Just like, that is the ultimate dream to be able to make your parents that proud. And I want to give a W just to the entire Kelsey family for accomplishing what they've accomplished. Because although Jason and and Travis have have accomplished what they've accomplished because of their hard work, if it wasn't for the parents they had in their early stages of life, none of this would happen. Mm. They wouldn't be the men that they are without those two people. And I just, I can't congratulate that family enough because they are forever embedded into this success together. And like Jason said, he was crying at the end of the Super Bowl because it wasn't because he was sad. It's because he was so happy that his mom got to be a part of that. Yeah. It's such an exclusive way. She's sitting right next to Roger freaking Adele and Jay-Z in the suite. And like, Demar how Allen. awesome is that? Yeah, yeah man. Just, that's such a... You couldn't make your parents more happier than that, dude. I just... I That, that touched me big time and I wanted to put that out there. But enough of the, the soft shit, man. <laughs> I need to get to some business here because if there's anybody that follows me on Twitter and, and my following is absolutely blown up over this last year... There's something that for some reason I'm really good at. And it's getting under the under the skin of those that are at their national level. And <laughs> oftentimes I don't even ask for it. I'll just say something in response to something they said, and I say something confidently. There's two individuals that I'd like to talk to directly today. And one is Mark Schlereth, former uh, grease ball from the Denver Broncos. And I call him a grease ball because he was literally caught cheating grease in his jersey against the Chiefs all those years ago, and he admitted to such. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. So he was on the First Things First uh, uh, platform this last week before the Super Bowl went down, sitting right next to my guy Nick Wright. And he had a nice little prediction that he wanted to put out there about this Eagles-Chiefs matchup. And I'm going to play it for you guys because I think it's really cute. situations as a passing team to not allow that defense to rush you so always i always would be like this you're going to throw it 35 times everybody's going to throw it 35 times but can i get five you know quick games can i get five screens can i get five bubbles can i get five you know five step drops where the ball is out instantly without a hitch can i have a couple of uh, seven steppers where i keep seven guys in all of a sudden i take 35 pass attempts and i give you hope 10 opportunities to rush my quarterback. And when we do that, we win. And that's what Philadelphia can do. So, Kerry, that's why they blow my Oh, 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 okay. All right. Yes. Oh, oh, I got to get 10. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my 
That's why he had the Eagles blowing out the Chiefs by 10 double digits. So all I did is I just I just tweeted that and said, talk soon, Mark. He quote tweets my tweet because I've been using the whole talk soon thing a lot this year because it seemed to work out pretty well. Schler at the media replied to me and said, come get a taste. Okay, well, I went for the taste after the Super Bowl, you know, when the Chiefs won Did it the taste game. good, Lance? Did yeah, it, good? It, was, it tasted fucking lovely. <laughs> I said, three days ago, Mark Schler told me to come get a taste when I told him to talk soon after he picked the Eagles to blow out the Chiefs by double digits. Now, complete silence. Weird how that works. Mark retweets and says, I picked the Eagles by 10 and they never thought, and, and, and they lost, never thought you, never thought about you again because I don't know you, dude, and I don't care. Enjoy the win. So here's Mark telling me how much he doesn't care about me and doesn't yeah. know me in a tweet in response to me for the second time in a week. Yeah. It's always so flattering when they let me know how much I don't matter to them when they're sitting here taking time out of their day to let me know how I don't matter. So Mark Schlereth, sweetheart, the guy that loves talking about those three rings he got, even though he's literally been caught cheating in this in this league. Do me a solid, my brother, and hold, hold this out. Not done. Not done. No, there's no. More, we're just, there's more. There's, there's more. There's going to be another guy that I want to get to, a guy that I've uh, paid very close attention to over this uh, last year in particular because congratulations to him in all sincerity. Landed himself the biggest job he ever has had. Uh, Jason McIntyre joins the, the herd with Colin Coward after uh, Joy Taylor ended up getting her own show, Speak. Um, she's over there now, and now uh, Colin Cowherd, or I'm sorry, Jason McIntyre is now the secretary to Colin Cowherd and does his bidding for him. Um, there's something that Jason McIntyre has been very consistent about this year, and it's being inconsistent with his takes. And something he's done a lot this year is picked against the Chiefs, which I'm not really offended by. But when you play the revisionist history bullshit and you try to tell me, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, you want to sit here and doubt the Chiefs all season. Picked everybody, picked the Chargers to win the division, picked the Broncos to win the division, picked the Chiefs to finish third in the division. You have uh, 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 numerous people picked the Chiefs to not make the playoffs. This guy picked the Jaguars, picked the Bengals, and picked the Eagles to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs this year. All three wrong. And then has the gall to sit here and say that no one doubted the Chiefs. So I decided to put myself a nice little. Uh, I took some time out of my day and made a nice little slide reel, little collage of videos, rather, of what Jason McIntyre said didn't happen. Here's the setup of Jason McIntyre on the show this last week on Colin Coward's show saying that no one was picking against the Chiefs this year. No one that's credible. It's just jabronis that are keyboard warriors. It's nobody that actually is paid to talk sports. Let's go ahead and give this uh, this uh, this little clip a twirl. narrative that he's creating. Nobody, the haters said we weren't going to make the playoffs. Well, I picked Denver to win the division, so I won't Ooh, hate her. That's not a hater. I mean, come on. Nobody said they were going to, who said they were going to miss the playoffs? Find me the legit media person, not some jabroni, you know, who's just like, oh, a Chiefs stick because they lost Tyreek Hill, not some keyboard warrior. I want somebody credible who said the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs. I double dog dare you to find them. It just doesn't exist. Well, They're making this stuff up in their head. My hot take of the NFL season, the Chiefs are not making the playoffs. Raiders are going to win. Chargers are going to get in as well in that wild card spot because I think the Chargers are going to be nice. I also think the Broncos are pretty fucking good, and I just don't think the Chiefs are making the playoffs this year. That's my hot take of the Week 18, a win and in situation against the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know what? Give me the Raiders. So for the first time in years... The Kansas City Chiefs, despite winning 10 games, will not make the playoffs. You heard it here first. Go ahead and light me up in the comments there. I don't care. 
You know, everybody everybody thinks I'm crazy, man, but I really think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to finish last. I think they're going to finish last in the West. Last. I don't think they're better than the Denver Broncos. Last. I don't think they're better than the Denver Broncos. I don't think they're better than the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think they're better than the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I don't. To suggest what might happen? Well, this is a repeat uh, statement that I've said. But I said that I don't believe that the Chiefs are going to uh, make the playoffs. I said it to McCole Harmon. Listen, you can't be one-sided. Within their division, they're the only team that is front-loaded on the offensive side of the ball. Every team has closed the gap. You look at the, co- the, the discrepancy in quarterbacks. You can't say Russell Wilson's that far from Patrick Mahomes. You can't say Justin Herbert's that far. But when you look at the comparing the defenses, it, the, the other defenses in this league is miles ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. Wilds, is it on the board? The Chiefs miss the playoffs this season. Oh, it's on the board, it's on the walls, it's on the windows, it's on the carpet, it's hanging from the chandelier. And sometimes our lovely staff is a little too nice. I mean, they don't want a lot of conflict early in the morning when they put these questions in. So the question was meekly worded. Is it on the table that the Chiefs miss the playoffs? Because they didn't want to have to deal with Nick Wright's wrath and ire pre-nicotine patch. But you know what, OKW is like, on the table. It's more than on the table. Every other team, basically, got better, and the Chiefs got worse. Can we you know that? I like the Chiefs. Nick Wright, it's on the table. It's on the table. I'm not predicting it yet. It's on the table that the Chiefs missed the playoffs next year. So oh, in the now present, we're, there we it's go. more than on they, the table. It's on the it's table. It's like the centerpiece. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did, uh, because in case you forgot, and maybe you haven't watched the video yet, I highly recommend you go to my to my Twitter channel, my Twitter account at Lance the Spoken. Uh, all the names on that were credible people. Uh, Will Compton, who's a former NFL player who now has one of the biggest sports podcasts, football podcasts, with Taylor Luan, who's the current tackle for the Titans, busting with the boys, uh, was the one that made the first prediction. There was also James Jones in that video, a ten-time vet, a ten-ten-year veteran in the NFL, who was on actually the Ringers uh, show with Ryan Rossillo, who's also hired by FS1 where McIntyre also works. There was also Bart Scott, longtime NFL player who now is hired by ESPN. There's also um, Kevin Wilds, Nick, uh, Chris Broussard, several other key figures, notable figures. Maybe we may not agree with them. We may not like them that much. But these were just a few of the many. And I didn't include everybody. I could have made that video very uh, much longer if I wanted to. But I wanted to give just key examples of people that Jason McIntyre was asking for. Because if you recall in his video, he says, just name one. I gave him six. So it doesn't end there, though, because as McIntyre is getting absolutely ratioed in the comments, he decides to block me on Twitter, which was super adorable in this whole instance. He wants to unblock me just long enough to quote tweet my tweet at him and says, quote, Chiefs fans spent the day trying to find clips of credible media people out of 100 to 200 people who talk football on TV who said the Chiefs would miss the playoffs. This is all they had. Motherfucker, all you asked for was one. I could have given you just one. I gave you six times the amount of that. And the best part is some friends of ours, uh, the Kingdom Queens, uh, Lexi Osborne, one of the co-hosts on there, gave another like 12 to 15 on her video. There were several other Chiefs fans that went out there and did the same thing I did. 
and posted different people. There was, there was KJ Wright. There was other former players that were doing the same shit, picking the Chiefs to finish line. Adam Shine from the NFL Network wants to pick the Chiefs as the ninth best team in the AFC. Uh, how about the fact that when he got called out, Jason McIntyre got called out about Adam Rank, who's another person on my video saying for the first time in years, the Chiefs would miss the playoffs. Get my mentions. I don't care. Try to pretend like he didn't know who Adam Rank was. When Adam Rank has 170,000 more followers on Twitter than Jason McIntyre does. Clearly knows who the man is. One of the biggest names out there when it comes to prediction shows. And fantasy sports. The fact is, is that Jason McIntyre made an ass of himself by saying that in the beginning, but then wants to double down and block people like me who call his shit out. I thank you so much because people like him, people like Mark Schlereth, people like Skip Bayless, people like them are what make these kinds of seasons that much more satisfying. Because it isn't just the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and crushing the team or beating the team that they go against. They go and they they, they destroy narratives, false narratives and bullshit like that from people like you. But the fact you can't even admit it, the fact fact that you can't even own your own shit makes you even more of a clown than you already are brother so j mac do me a solid and hold oh, this l god this has been a great year man i feel like travis kelsey's been the best year of my life yeah. i feel like that man and the cheese make it that much easier to feel to, to feel that way well, i think we've gone on long enough what do you guys think do you guys want us to keep going Nah, that's all we have for today eddie's got to go home and you know play with his dolls or something but uh it's been a fun day. My beat though, yeah, my bad, my bad. That's that's what he calls his doll. <laughs> this has been a fun show, and I really hope that we brought the exuberance, the energy, the information, the content you guys are looking and hoping for after such a massive victory. I promise you guys, this one meant more to me than anything else in the sports world has ever ever meant for me yeah. in my entire life. And the best part about it is, even though I don't take this for granted, I don't think any of us do. I think we all very much are enjoying this. We definitely enjoyed it when it happened. This really isn't done. This is not the last time we're going to celebrate a Chiefs, a Chiefs Super Bowl victory with Patrick Mahomes as our quarterback. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to happen every single year. That's not how the NFL works. But this will happen again and again. And I don't know how many times it's going to happen, but I'm not. I will not be shocked if the day comes when we're sitting here in our late 40s, early 50s, talking about this team reeling off five, six more championships. I really do believe it's in the plan. I do want to say something, too. Um, just in reflection of this, now that the season is now over, I just want to express some gratitude to the situation that we're able to be in right now as Chiefs fans um, to make it more of a personal thing for me. And it's anecdotal and it is very subjective to many because not every – and listen, I will be very clear. Not every fan base is going to be able to experience what we're experiencing right now. Um, but I feel very grateful and very um, fortunate to be in this situation as a fan um, and similar to like guys like Frank Clark you know, who lost his father um, and is able to – you know, uh, create a moment for himself to be a part of this kind of a historic run and to uh, uh, encounter victory in those kind of moments that can help ease that pain. Um, you know, us, you know, in the 2019, 2018, 2019 run uh, and that Super Bowl win, that Super Bowl victory, you know, that leading into that that run, that epic run, we had lost, me and Lance have lost one of our heroes of our lifetime, our grandfather. Uh, and then we went on to win the Super Bowl. And that helped, you know, mask a lot of things we went through that year. A lot of other things that were going on. I was going through a divorce personally in that time. Uh, a lot of things that were going on personally in my life. So this, what, I, what I'm saying right now is very personal to me. And I want the Chiefs to understand. And the, I, want, I, don't want, I want people to understand, too, that sports, don't ever let anybody tell you that sports is, is not an important thing. Um, it's very important to me in my life. And it's been very important whether I played it or I watched it or as a fan of something. You know, watching the, the World Cup with your father. Man. You know, watching Messi win this year was incredible. 
and that's a special moment between you and your dad. Um, you know, and, 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 and it creates communities, right? And community in moments and community together when your people are better together. And when things like that bring people together, it's magical. And it's, it, 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 there's not a word for it, right? There's not a word in our vocabulary to describe what you feel in those moments. And um, I just want to express my gratitude because, like I said, the first Super Bowl was very special to me. My, I, my, my, my grandfather, who was my hero growing up, had passed, lost him tragically. This season, my mom passes tragically, and they pick us up, right? And we won the Super Bowl this year, and it's a, a very special moment for me and my kids to witness the second Super Bowl of their lifetime, the second one I've been able to witness in my lifetime. Um, and this is a personal one for me, right? It's a subjective situation for me because not everybody got to experience that joy because we were the only one team can win. And, you know, we spent, me and Lance spent our lifetime, we have never missed a game, never missed a Chiefs game since we can have memory and have wherewithal what's going on. Um, and, you know, we were there picking up the Chiefs a lot of times when they were letting us down. And, you know, and in these past couple of championship runs, we've been down and they picked us up. Um so I just want to express my gratitude for the Chiefs being there for us when we needed them the most. And to Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, this whole crew, this whole roster, all the new additions this year that were a massive part of this run is personal to me. And I couldn't be more, more thankful to you guys. So um, it was a big one for me this year. And I'm, I'm grateful. That's all. I just want to say that. Good shit, man. Could have said it better myself. That, I echo it. I echo it 100%. So uh, hopefully Travis Kelsey and Jason get to watch this and get emotional too, because uh, we feel like we owe them that one. So <laughs> it just feels good, man. We it put does. in a lot of time into this fan, into this team, and like I said, they're picking us up when we're down, and it's just it could be more fucking poetic than yeah. that. Yeah, you know what I mean? For my, for true, me personally, hundred percent true. I couldn't. I really, I really couldn't have said that better. Yeah. Um, we and we appreciate it, and that's why that's why I look forward to doing the show every single week because yeah. it's not that I just get to hang out with two of my best pals, but. We get to talk about a team that lifts us up and makes us. It and brings gives us something to look forward to. It brings people yeah. together, man. We had we made friends. It's from community. This team. It's a community. If it wasn't for this team, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. Know, I wouldn't know Jason Dunn. Yeah. I wouldn't know Marcus Dash. I wouldn't know the, the Holmes family. Well, just just, know Big just Charlie's. And, like, and listen to bring it back to a biological level, a humane level. We are we are pack animals. We are community. We are we are we are based in community. Right and sports, whether you're into sports, whether you're into music, whether you're into whatever it is you're passionate about, things like that are important in human lives. We are not meant to be isolated. We are meant to be together. Whether you're passionate about, and this goes to all fan bases. And like I said, I'm lucky enough to be in this situation right now, to where my community, the community that I've I bonded with, and I've thri we are thriving right now. Right, we're on top. So it's just a great feeling, and I, I'm smelling the I'm smelling the roses every chance I get. And all my friends that I made through, you know, guys like Jaggy, guys like Clay, guys like that have been a part of my life simply because of the Chiefs. You know, we wouldn't know these guys. We wouldn't know a lot of the people that I've learned, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, people in Philadelphia, people, you know, that have come we into our lives. We wouldn't have started this podcast. Right. If it wasn't for the Chiefs it's, being it's who they created are. Straight bonds. up. It's created relationships. And that's what's so important about this. So don't ever let anybody tell you that sports aren't important, that things like this are not important in life. These, these create memories. Life is built on memories. Life is built on moments. When you're at the end of your life and you're thinking back, you think on the best moments in your life. And these past two Super Bowls have been some of the best moments in my life. And me having my kids with me to witness these things. It's just been an incredible moment for my life. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, Eddie. Do you want to make us emotional too, or is it, <laughs> sorry, guys? No, that's amazing. It's all yeah. love, man. It is, man. It's that's that's about as genuine as it gets, right there, man. So I hope you guys understand that when we do the show every single week, this is we are literally putting our heart and soul into it because outside of people, yeah, I love. I can speak for Trevor. And I, I can speak for Eddie, especially when it comes to Chelsea and some of these soccer teams and the yeah. Chiefs. 
we don't love anything else more. Like th this is what we love outside of the people that we love. Yeah. It's this. So, uh, man, this has been a great show, and I, I I cannot wait to celebrate more of these Super Bowl victories on yes. this very show with all of you guys because we love you guys as well. So for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Windler that puts all this together on the back end and. Please go follow Red Tribe Cinema. Subscribe to that because my boy puts out bangers each and every time the Chiefs win a big game. And no bigger than this one that just came out. Just just be prepared. That's all I'm going to say. I'm Lance Twidwell. Episode 206 of the, po the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And until we're back in here in one week's time to talk about what's next for episode 207, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.